Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Tribe of Nerds. Uh, just a heads up, this is part two of our Spider-Man No Way Home coverage. Uh, if you want to go listen to part one, just me talking with Josh and Gabe, go ahead and listen to that. Otherwise, this is where uh, JJ and Will are going to get to speak on No Way Home. So I uh, wanted to give our full team the opportunity to say what they want to say on everything. So it'll be the same format as the first part was, just different perspectives perhaps. Or they'll praise it just as much as Josh Gabe and I already did, so <laughs> we'll see. Um, all right, well, let's start with our impressions. So, JJ and Will, what did you guys think of No well, Way now, now I feel obligated to just be like, this movie was trash. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, JJ just got to argue with somebody. What a shocker. <laughs> wow. No, seriously, though, okay, even though, like, literally everything about this movie was spoiled beforehand, because yeah. people just... Because everything leaked, and Sony's bad at that. Um, it still was a great movie-watching experience. A lot of the things I saw coming a mile away, not just for that reason, but because the movie set them up in a way to where it's just easy to call things. Mm -hmm. So it was a really predictable movie. I honestly don't think this movie's going to have as much rewatchability as some of the other Spider-Man movies, just because a lot of it is fan service, and like that first time can't be repeated. That's fair. Um, but I really, 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 really liked it. It was so damn good. Yeah. Agreed. Will? Um, I, I agree a lot with what JJ said. I enjoyed it. That was a movie experience that I, it, I didn't think anything would top Endgame in terms of movie experience. Right. But this was pretty close. Um, I seen it twice. So JJ to kind of like go on that rewatchability um, I, it didn't have the same punch, of course, because like, yeah, when you first see it, nothing really does, but it still was enjoyable the second time. And I did get excited for like the moments coming up, especially because I was there with my youngest brother and he didn't see it. So like in my mind, I was getting excited cause I was like, Oh, he's not ready for this. <laughs> and so I was excited for it. The, definitely rewatchable. Um, Putting like all like my fandom aside and all that, I do think it's one of Marvel's best movies. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very successful for the mere fact that it's taking the most pop, like the most recognizable superhero, and it's going to get going to be popular. And, and I think it's the numbers speak for itself and how successful it is. Mm -hmm. But I think it's one of their best movies. Predictable. If you really like, if like, if I'm putting my like, like I said, my fandom aside here, yeah, the movie was pretty straightforward. Um, there was, I don't want to say there were things, that, the things that surprised me, weren't like the major things, like you know, like Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire showing up. Mm -hmm. I think everybody really knew deep down that it was going to happen, but at the same time, yeah. we were still trying not to like get so excited because we're like, there's still that slim chance it's not going to happen, and we just absolutely played ourselves. But, like, the moments that did surprise me, <sighs> there's, there, there's a moment, I'm, we'll get a little bit more, like, once we dive into more, but there was, like, one moment that kind of surprised me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did it. It was just more like, oh, damn. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, um, I also saw it twice, and the second time I still enjoyed it. I mean, maybe not as much as the first time, because I'd, you know, seen everything for the first time, like JJ said, is... An ex more of an experience, a better experience. Uh, but I, I saw it with JJ and Gabe the first time on technically premiere day, although had 
come out technically the night before but whatever um and then saw it with took my dad to see it and uh my dad seemed to also enjoy it um although he thinks he he thinks he enjoyed personally enjoyed infinity war better but that that's also my dad i mean i i don't think that's bad taste like that makes sense but um yeah and just it's incredible that they pulled this off like this could have we were so worried like i mean i know jj and i have talked about this specifically um like we were so worried that this could just like turn out so poorly and they somehow pulled it off so i i i'm shocked that they were able to pull it off but then again it's marvel studios that had a hand in this so i guess i'm not super surprised but so um, well, let's get into the cast then. Uh, so we have to start with our star, Tom Holland, uh, finishing off his trilogy. And really, they found a way to grow Tom Holland up more than we've seen him. And, like, we got to see so much more emotion from Tom in this movie. And um, really see what happens when really he loses everything at this point. I mean, he really doesn't have anything left. Um, and I guess it's kind of how you are when you're Spider-Man. You pretty much lose a lot. Um, and we've seen that in the past two iterations as well. So, JJ? Yeah. Um, we, sorry, who are we talking about right now? Tom Holland. <laughs> Tom Holland, okay. Um, so... I, I did like his arc in here. I'm glad we got to see a quote-unquote dark side yeah. uh, of him. This has moved it more from Marvel's take on Spider-Man into the other versions of Spider-Man that we've had before where we explore this wider range of emotions with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... The, the only moment that really took me out of the movie, there were a lot of callbacks, a lot of them. Right. But like, the, with great power comes great responsibility was a moment that just wasn't right for me. I don't feel like they needed that again because in other movies like Spider-Verse, they have made fun of that and it's just too much. Whatever. Small thing. Um, Jake had me convinced Happy was going to die too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I feel weird that he didn't actually say, like actually reintroduce himself to his friends at the end. Um, I didn't like that that wasn't explained. Um, To me, that felt more like a they're doing this to create artificial drama without actually giving us a reason why he did it because they didn't give an explained reason, but like his performance was really, really good. This movie, uh, he had great emotional range. Like always, Tom Holland kills it as Spider-Man. So I got no complaints there. Just little tiny story parts. So to your point real quick, JJ, I think like the way he doesn't want to tell MJ and Ned, like, the truth at this point because i don't think he wants to hurt them anymore like he doesn't want to put them in any more danger i think yeah and like i understand that and that would be totally fine but they don't really show us that that's the reason in the movie that's true. it feels like a complete 180 from his conversation with mj i promise i'll find you and oh, okay you remember me that's true and it's like how can you go from being that intent about rekindling this relationship to just being like nah you're better off without me Mm -hmm. i just need more of a bridge between those two points i'm not saying i'm unhappy with that being the story direction right it it feels like the plot fell a little bit Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I get it. Um, Will, your your thoughts on Tom Holland in this movie? This was definitely where Tom Holland... Okay, I was always like a fan of Tom Holland. I just never liked how MCU was using Spider-Man, personally. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. Mm-hmm. This definitely was the best, in my opinion, that they've used him because he's maturing more still. There's still a lot of immature moments because he's still learning, but like... It was still a m- more mature take on him that they were treating him in. Like, they were taking him more in a serious tone, and I liked it. Um, definitely throwing a lot of trauma at him. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Holland performed great. Like, he's always done good. Like, it's, it, mm-hmm. it's just what they have him do or where they want him to go is not, I've always not been a fan of. But this movie in particular, I was very happy to see. I personally wanted to see more of that dark side last a little bit longer. Because. Mm-hmm comics and other past things there's a lot of storylines where you can look up spider-man really lets loose mm-hmm. like yeah they were showing him not pulling his punches like in a way you know how garfield was talking about it right right and like but i wanted to see i know it's a pg-13 movie and i i really want like more especially since and I'm, I'm getting a little saturated, but the point I'm making with this is, so with Deadpool being successful, being a radar superhero movie. Right. I want them to realize it's like, we, like, there's, like, you can get darker. And you can still be very, there have been successful, dark-themed PG-13 movies that exist out here. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see more brutal, like, like, because, like, yeah, like, he was throwing hands with Goblin at the end. And I love that fight. That was a great... And it was one-sided, too. Yeah. Like, it really was one-sided at the end there. And I loved it. Because, like, that was, like, the Spider-Man that's, like, being serious. But I wanted it to feel more brutal. Part of me, like, and, like, really wanted... I wanted it to go... Because we've seen Marvel go really off the wall on some things. Mm -hmm. I would have really liked it if he actually impaled Goblin. Ooh. I I know there was a great moment, but like the the reason why I say this is because it felt it felt weird because on the one hand we had Toby stopping him. Like, hey, you need to get this under control. Right. But then so there's like that character arc kind of got resolved. It it was weird. He went through almost like two arcs almost. Right. It feels like he's going through two arcs right now. One's not resolved yet. But, like, another one, but, like, there was also, like, another one going on, like, with him dealing with this anger. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to see that one go farther out. Because now he's in another situation where it's not that people don't know Spider-Man exists. Nobody knows he exists as Peter Parker. Right. Like, I, like there's going to be some bitterness, and there's going to be, like, some trauma, I hope, that they explore. It's like, JJ's point, he just completely didn't tell him, and, like, there was no bridge on why. Like, if they would have gave, like, some reason, like, oh, I don't want him back in this life, or even if it was something this sweet of, maybe I just wanted to experience falling in love with MJ all over again. As corny as it is, honestly, the way their chemistry is, it's, I I think Gwen Garfield was a better chemistry on screen, but their chemistry is great. Mm-hmm. If that was just the reason he just wanted it to be natural again, and naturally fall in love again, I would have been fine with that. I'd have been like, okay, I could see that for them. Mm-hmm. That being a thing, because it did show that they still had like strong, like a strong chemistry, right? Even though she didn't even know who he was, right? But Tom Holland did great. I think it definitely, like I said, best I liked out of him. My nitpicks about certain storylines, we can get more into like certain scenes. 
But, like, those are the ones that come to mind right away. I got a few more, but we can move on. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I I totally get, get what you guys are saying. They could have definitely said more in the dialogue to uh, bridge that gap. But um, let's talk about Zendaya's MJ. Actually, sorry, oh. just one tangent real quick. Um, Will talked a lot about his dark side, and that just got me thinking again about how the black suit that they showed in the trailer I thought was going to be like Spider-Man 3 where um, oh. because we also knew Venom was going to tie into this movie and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was just like an inside out suit or like just the like the mechanics or whatever. And that was just a <laughs> kind of a weird funny thing. That's all. Well, back to the dark side thing just real quick though. Yeah. Because you brought up the dark suit thing. We're going to get it again then. Like this whole him dealing with the Stark side, because the whole thing with the black suit, it brings out your negative emotions. It feeds on it. Mm-hmm. It makes him more aggressive. So are we going to see him go through, like, like because I'm assuming it's going to probably be in the next movie. Right. That could actually be a good continuation of this arc, though, because he was able to fight against it as, um, like, himself. But now if his mind is being altered, too, by the symbiotic relationship... I would do it right. Yeah, I get that, but like, I feel like, but the way that they presented this scene though is like, hey, you are better than this, and he's like, okay, I, I get it. Maybe they're just gonna use the plot of like, hey, Toby was there, and that's the reason why he was able to collect because somebody else. And I, I'll get that. I don't know. It still feels like though that they should have kept it going. I would much rather have. I much would have rather have him not even hold back, or even if you don't have him in Pale Goblin, have it to where Gar- like Toby and Garfield have to like restrain him more, mm-hmm. like. He, like, they have to rip that glider out of him. Like, more so than, you know, just Toby getting in the middle of it, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I really want them to stretch it because Marvel, MCU has done it where we see, like, heroes are go, like, go through a dark shit. Hell, Hawkeye. Like, like, we want to talk about some trauma. Like, Hawkeye was, like, fucking absolutely slain gains. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, keep it going. Like, like I feel like they really... They'll, they'll, they'll figure out something. But, like, if we do get the black suit and then more aggression comes out, I'm just going to be... part. Of, it's going to be hard for me at one point to be like, dude, you literally just... We already had, like, this spin of you fighting your demons off again. I get it. Like, it's hard to get rid of, but, like, mm-hmm. the way you left it up at the end of the No Way Home, it's almost just like, all right, cool, I'm collected now. Right. Right. But, hey, who knows? Maybe more trauma will come up and it'll just pile on top of it again. Maybe. there's That's always that. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens in the next, presumably the next trilogy that they seem to have confirmed, I guess, but we'll see. Um, all right, let's talk about Zendaya's MJ, and I, I've always liked Zendaya, I mean, it, it, like you you guys said, like, it helps that um, Tom and Zendaya are like a real-life couple, too, so their chemistry is really good, and that was the same with Andrew and Emma Stone, uh, with them at, at least, I believe they were a couple for a little bit during filming of Amazing Spider-Man. They were. Yeah. So, like, having that real-life chemistry really, really translates to the screen. So, and I like, I've, I've liked her. She has, like, a sarcastic, dry sense of humor, which is nice to have, so. Um, the three of them in this movie... I loved more than in any other movie that I've seen them in Mm -hmm. Um, because taking them away from the, the, I don't even know the name of it. So I'm just going to call it the quiz bowl team, even though I know that's wrong. Um, Yeah. 
like just taking them away and just having the three of them as this like these re- three really good buddies and just their chemistry as actors together. Right. Um, they they're so real on screen, uh, and I love the way that they play off one another. Also, the relationship that MJ and Peter had in this movie felt like a natural growth from the previous movies. Right. Um, and <laughs> much better than uh, than we got in the Raimi trilogy. Oh, yeah. Uh, JJ and I watched the first uh, Raimi Spider-Man after No Way Home. We watched it, and <laughs> yeah, the love story might be the worst part of the Raimi trilogy, to be honest. Because they just force it so much. Yeah. And uh, this it's like a good backdrop. And it doesn't have to be a main part of the plot. Right, right. So. Um, yeah, I, I agree with JJ. I definitely love their chemistry the most in here. But I think also that might just be the benefit of just having so much time together, like in different movies. You definitely get better at grinding out, like, okay, this is what they would sound like at this, this stage of their lives, stage. And, you know, even just, like, repetition, too. You get used to it. Right. Um, I, do, I do like this MJ. I do like how she is definitely, like, a counterbalance in a lot of ways to what Tom is, like that Peter Parker is in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know. So I do like that. Yeah, I mean, I even like the joke at that one point where like she's threatening the bull, like you know, like to send him back, and Liz is like, "There's no way that's his girlfriend." Like, <laughs> no way. Yeah. And I, I like that. I was just like, "Yeah, that, that seems legit." But I'm, no, it was I good chemistry. Like, and um, it, it was nice seeing her like. The more you see them together, it's nice seeing this MJ, like, open up more and show the more vulnerable side to everything. Right. So, I definitely like that. Yeah, because in Far From Home, she says that she tries to, like, close everybody off from knowing the real her. So, it was nice to see her open herself up more in this one. Also, like... Where it does get serious too, and it, it was a nice small little sneak scene. It's when they were he was fighting Doc Ogg, and Doc Ogg not knowing, <laughs> like you know, like still thinking it was like Toby Maguire's, and he's like, "I should have killed your girlfriend. I had a chance." And then that was like the thing. thing Peter's just like, "You want to run that by me one more time?" <laughs> and then yeah. When she got serious. And I was like, "I'm like this dude." I'm like, "All right." I, and the only thing I thought was like, "Man, Doc Ogg's not familiar." With how MC Universe works, these heroes aren't afraid to kill. Yeah. Then the Tobey Maguire Sony Universe, where it's questionable at times, this dude will kill you. He has already got body counts because yeah. of Endgame. Where right. He's killed some soldiers. He will murder you. Yeah. So For sure. On a on a like side note about murdering, Peter has insta kill mode. Activate instant kill. <laughs> yeah, that's what Will was alluding to. I mean, he can't kill the villains, but he can kill other people. I don't know. It just goes so back and forth. Aliens are different. Aliens are different. Yeah, uh, yeah. My world, I got no karma. I got, like, no... Like, there's no problems. So if they're humans turned villains, it's okay. It's not okay. But if they're not human, it's... Oh, yeah. Fuck those Thanos grunts that was just working their, like, fucking job, trying to pay off their college debt. <laughs> they just got put on the front lines because they didn't score well on the ASVAB test. So now, son, they're dealing with this fucking preteen that's going through puberty for the first time, and he just got absolutely bodied by these mechanical, like, spider legs. Jeez. It also kind of begs the question, though, like, 
if the distinction is humans, why is lizard okay? Not okay. <laughs> I thought he was like, a dinosaur. Yeah. Well, he's, he's not really human anymore, is he? He doesn't want to be human. He, yeah. Well, he's human again, but the, I don't know. He... He, he started off as a human, he just turned himself into a lizard. <laughs> I guess that counts. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I just made a really bad joke, but we ain't gonna do this on these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we gotta stay on track a little bit. Um, alright, then we got uh, Jacob Babylon as Ned Leeds Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Ned is, Ned is great in this. I, I love... Like their dy- Peter and Ned's dynamic as best friends. Um, sad, it seems like we might not get that, or at least it s- might start from scratch in the next trilogy. Um, but uh, no, I-, I really like them together, even in interviews. As JJ said, the three of them together are great. Um, but yeah, no, Ned's hilarious in this one. So, um, I really thought they were alluding to Hobgoblin, right? In the comics, Ned Leeds does become Hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder where this magic arc is going to go. Also, with Ned not knowing Peter, what does that do to the experiences they've had together? Has he now never done magic? Yeah. That, that means eventually he's going to become a supervillain and kill him because that promise is now null and void. <laughs> so, at least Mordo won't be after. Oh, yeah, Mord- Mordo's gonna steal Ned's superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> Mordo comes back around. It was Mordo all along. <laughs> no, I, re- I really did like the the whole lab scene with all of them, and I just really liked Ned's interactions with the other Spider-Mans as well. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a best friend? I did. You did? <laughs> he died. <laughs> Both of them lost to Harry. <laughs> That's honestly sad. Oh, man. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, then then uh, let's move on to uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. And I liked how they used Doctor Strange to with with the multiverse plot at at first watching it the first time. I know at first when they found they basically had to find a way to get Doctor Strange out of the plot um, or out of the story of the movie for a bit with peter beating him i was talking about it with josh and gabe a couple nights ago on the first part and like strange like he's always thinking that he's the smartest guy around and he completely underestimated peter uh because he completely underestimated that peter is an extremely intelligent person as well and uh i mean we've seen it strange literally belittles anyone because he thinks he's the smartest guy we saw him even belittling uh trying to belittle tony stark in infinity war so like did yeah so like strange will strange will try to belittle anyone regardless of who they are so yeah this just kind of like brings the problem of the fact that there are heroes everywhere right and some problems are so big that it really seems like other heroes should be part of it into this movie like things that are not Avengers level threats, but really are Avengers level threats. Right. Don't get called in. I do like that they actually like gave a reason that he got shelved. Um, I, you know, the whole plot it jumps from like point to point pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like 
we're taking care of your identity. Oh, now the other people are coming from the other universes. And it's like, it works. I'm not mad about it. It's just like, normally movies don't change what's the, like, what the main source of conflict is that quickly and have it work. Right. They did it pretty well here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it moved very, very quickly, is for sure. Um, Will? I think, um, I love Doctor Strange in this. I, I think... You see just one of my favorite things about it is like towards the end is like you see how powerful he is. Right. And I think it is very easy to underestimate somebody else if you're Doctor Strange. Right. And especially like the intelligence of Spider Man. And I don't so part of the things is like it's part of the deal where people underestimate Spider Man, especially because of how quippy he is. Like he is you know, he's always cracking jokes. You really forget how intelligent he is. Mm-hmm. In this movie, and again, this is one of my few gripes still that they do with Spider-Man in the MCU universe, but they, this, like I said, it's still the best they've done with them, but there's still some gripes they had with them. Right. Like, something they played off as a minor, as like a, a little joke, but it absolutely, like, it made me mad, though, like when I saw it the second time, was the joke about he didn't call and argue his case. They used it as a small joke. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, they played off as a funny thing because they're, like, they did a quick cutaway to where he closed the door on him and say, like, oh, you ruined your... And what makes me mad about it was, like, if that was actually, like, Peter Parker, like, if they, like, treated it, like, for how intelligent he is, Peter would have done that already. Like, yeah. I get that he's young and, like, and, like, shit like that, but it's, like, I don't... Why? Because then you just, like, literally, like, it gave Strange a reason to, like, in a sense to misjudge him. Because mm-hmm. he's seen how immature he was. Right. He was, that is the dumbest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, you. I get your, like, you know, going through a lot of trauma and stuff like that, but it's like, still, like, Peter would, like, should have been able to, they should if Peter was, like, having the intelligence that they, they were, like, showing him to have later on, mm-hmm. he would have, like, tried to call. Right. Like, I thought that was honestly, like, they played out as a dumb, like, a small little joke mm-hmm. for a reason why it had to happen at the end of it all, even though he was still doing it i don't know it was weird like the order of it all mm-hmm. but like i don't know because then i asked the question like strange why didn't you just ask in the first place like make sure he went through all his options that yeah but then again you know like maybe he was like he was saying he's like i forget you're still immature because he's like you obviously tried to go through all these things mm-hmm. but like strange is a powerhouse like seeing him fucking hold pretty much the fabric of that reality together for a little bit i loved it Great props to it. I'm excited that Strange is there. I did like to see the intelligence of Peter being shown off a lot more in this one, so that was a big highlight, and seeing it compared to someone like Strange, who is very intelligent, mm-hmm. and just taking advantage of the fact that he underestimated him, and he's like, here, I outsmarted you. I wasn't going to outpower you here, but I at least can outsmart you enough to like temporarily sideline you. Right. And like Jay just said, it was good that they found a way to kind of naturally like sideline strange here right because like if strange was around more because like the whole time i was under the impression i'm like man what are they gonna be dealing with that like they have dr strange in this movie like what are they gonna be dealing with because like whatever like spider-man villain that they're bringing in i don't care green goblin's a menace don't get me wrong but like in reality strange can really make work of him oh yeah and push comes is quite probably the most powerful being in this in, on earth yes. right 
It's between also, him and Wanda at this point. Oh yeah, well Wanda lacks the I would say the tr- like the experience with her powers. She's right. gonna get there. Right. I know. I, I also think, her, but Ma- Strange is a master in his field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If even if Wanda is technically more powerful than Strange, Strange has better utility to use his powers. Right. Um. Just like. His intelligence combined with his power just puts him ahead of her because he's more resourceful and better able to do things with it, what he has. And seeing him in a Spider-Man movie with Spider-Man, it's a good, like, it's a good way to show you where Peter is and how far he's, and, like, even just in his progression in his own, in this movie alone. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way to see his development and, like, where he kind of stacks with some of these more intelligent characters and more experienced heroes in that matter too right even though strange is like like because like if you want i don't know like how much like off-screen time they're gonna count you know what i mean but like strange like from day one he's had to deal with like cosmet cosmic level like foes Mm -hmm. peter you know started off on the street level so it's like you gain like different levels and perspectives of things um but definitely and he was hilarious too like Doctor Strange in this movie was funny. Definitely the grumpy old man dealing with the kids. He was just so tired of this shit. He was just like, I'm not in the mood. Go Scooby-Doo that shit up. I don't care what you do. Just fix this. He's like, because he's like, at the end of the day, he's like, he's like, at the end of the day, if this shit goes wrong, I'm the one that's got to fix this. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Ned, Ned's like, uh, I can't believe I'm in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Stranger's like, neither can I. <laughs> neither can I. Dealing with this shit. Ugh. Couple, a couple of thoughts on the things you said, Will. Um, I I like that they keep coming back to this idea of like Peter feeling out of his depth, even though he really isn't. Like uh, in Far From Home, when he's talking to Fury about why am I the one you called? Yeah, like, bitch, you've been to space. <laughs> but like here, um, uh, Doctor Strange is like. Uh, I don't remember what exactly he said, but like we've done this together. You can call me. You don't have to call me. Really? Straight. Don't call me sir. Don't <laughs> call me sir. I'm like, yeah, because you've done more than most heroes on Earth have. You are like, you are an Avenger, but he's also just a kid. So that's like that juxtaposition. It's really cool to see. Um, also, you keep talking about how strong Doctor Strange is, which he really, really is. But it's interesting how they show that in the movies because a lot of the times that they show how how powerful he is, they do it in ways that don't actually showcase it that well. Mm-hmm. Fighting Dormammu, holding back the water during the endgame scene, um, holding the universe together. like That stuff, when you think about it, implies huge levels of power. But just looking at it. It's like you don't have any frame of reference for what is going to happen if he isn't doing those things. Also, just like, think about like the skill of just simply using basic stuff, the his portals, mm-hmm. using I, it to, like kind of like mess with speed, like Iron Man, like right off rip when he was trying to swing away. Just was open up like Peter landed. He's like, all right, I think I got a good distance. And Strange is just sitting there like, dude, you, you didn't go far, man. Like, but, and it's like the simple skills of it, and it shows the different like. It, like that's like legit like just the gap between the two right there and like Peter was like doing good at like developing because like whenever you're like working with someone who's like a master in their craft you and if you really are like got talent for it you will pick up on it from just being around them there's things you will pick up Peter was picking up like he was starting to understand like 
the mirror dimension. He's like, oh, it's geometry. He's like, okay. He's like, and it took him a bit, though. It wasn't like right off rip. It's like, oh, you know, it's geometry. Bam, bam. Strange. I tricked you. It was like, he was getting, like, disoriented because he's like, right? I right. Didn't, right. And it was in a way where he's like, I'm not going to, I'm going to beat him, but I'm not going to, like, outpower him. I'm going to just have to outwork him in a different way. Yeah. And he even said, he's like, he's like, I don't know how long he's going to be stuck there, but he's there for a bit. And so it was, it was a good way of showing how you don't always have to be the most powerful to win certain fights. Yeah. You just got to be able to always, I think, and he was learning like from it and it was great. Yeah. It was really, really cool. JJ, you had something else. Yeah. It just makes me look forward to seeing what's going to happen in Dr. Strange too, especially with Mordo. Um, because like some of these fights that we've gotten from him, like Dr. Strange versus Thanos, or in this movie, Dr. Strange fighting Spider-Man, that's really showcasing his ingenuity and his ability to adapt to the situations. I just, I want more of that. And think about how it's going to combine with Wanda's like raw power she has. It's just like, I know we're getting a little bit off this, but Dr. Strange is part of the movie. So we could talk about Dr. Strange and like the potential on that. So I'm not feeling bad about that. Yeah, we'll, and we'll talk more about it when we get to the post-credits, because we'll definitely spend a little bit of time talking about what was shown there. Um, Alright, and uh, uh, we got uh, J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, we, just perfect casting, as we know, from the Raimi trilogy, and it's great to have some moments here. I love the moment when P- after May dies and Peter's on the... Um, on top of the building and you have the shot of him uh watching jameson on the video monitor and jameson's like everything spider-man touches turns to ruin and i love that scene um so like jameson they they utilize jameson well for the few scenes that they had him for yeah i also like this progression that he has um like to me it kind of implies similar to the spider-man ps4 uh game where like the daily bugle used to be more notable and now it's kind of fallen a bit right Uh, like that he's just got his own podcast now it does like keep up with the times and everything it also implies that he's not what he once was so it's just it's little things like that that give him character development um by just like by his station in life rather than spending time on that character it's a good story writing device i think yeah well, anything on Jameson? They, they to a T. Perfect casting. Can't complain. Characters, how you would expect it to be. The perfect kind of like thorn in Peter and Spider-Man's side, side in a way you wouldn't like. Not a villain would be, mm-hmm. but that constant critique and pressure from the public. I would mm-hmm. say because it, it does show like. He's not just speaking nonsense because legit, you see through the movie, a lot of people like were listening and a lot of people, you know, hear it. Right. And the power that he has in that podcast or however influential it is, he gets people to listen and people believe it. And mm-hmm. it does a great job at spinning things. And like that, like that scene where he's talking about the tragedy, it's the art of it all is that. We know, as, like, the viewers and people who know Spider-Man, we know we're like, oh, JJ, you're, like, just, like, you're, like, you're being, like, you know, crazy, you know? It's, like, you think he's this criminal, but, like, in reality, if you, like, really step back and, like, you try to, like, think it from his perspective, 
and this is like a big thing that a lot of people don't understand about JJ and Jonas Jameson. He the biggest thing he doesn't like about Spider Man, and he says it again after the memories wipe. He doesn't like that he wears a mask. Yeah, because he doesn't have a problem with Captain America. He doesn't have a problem with like these others with Iron Man. Doesn't have a problem with a lot of these heroes because he knows what they look like. He knows there's a face that we can tie consequences to. Right. The big problem he always had with Spider-Man was he's like, you don't know who his face is. Like, you don't know who's under the mask, so there's no consequences that can go towards him. Right. Like, there's no real, nothing that's really going to stick, because Spider-Man will always have a place. There will always be people who will protect Spider-Man and always want Spider-Man, because he does heroic things. But the person under the mask is who JJ wants to deal with, because he's like, there are times, like, like in this scene, he may die. We know what happened, mm-hmm. but as far as his like knowledge and his viewpoint, he's like, if Spider-Man wasn't here, Spider-Man wasn't doing all this stuff, we wouldn't have the villains. Ant-Man wouldn't have to die. And and frankly, in the hero business, he's not wrong. Right. Heroes attract the villains, especially Spider-Man villains, who a lot of them are just out for vendettas. Right. So it's like, he's not that far off. He's just very cruel about it, and it's like a bitter pill to swallow. And that's why I like... J. Jonah Jameson as a character in the Spider-Man world. Yeah. Yeah, no, nothing bad to say about Jameson. Um, all right, I, I think we should then transition, since we've mentioned it. Marisa Tomei is Aunt May, um, and I, I figured that she was going to die going into the movie. I thought Happy was going to die, too, as J.J. already said, but... I figured May was a guaranteed death, um, and I, I know JJ said it was corny that she dropped the with great power must also come great responsibility line, but honestly, since it hasn't been said in the MCU up to this point, I figured eventually we were going to get it, and it makes sense to come from Aunt May, so. I don't really have a lot to say on her, uh, this, this movie. Um, the death felt a little more natural than some of the other deaths I've seen, but, like, um, I don't know. The whole thing with her and Happy, I, just a, a weird side arc. Yeah, that, that then gets, uh, she breaks up with him at the beginning of the movie. So, but yeah. Uh, Will, anything on Aunt May? I personally, I honestly didn't see, maybe I just wasn't looking into a lot of signs on past. I didn't expect to see her die in it. Mm-hmm. I guess I should since the fact that she took the Uncle Ben role. Yeah. More so, which makes sense eventually yeah i guess if that if i was looking more and paying attention in that regard yeah it makes sense that she was gonna die but it that's like one of those like minor surprises i was talking about earlier like it was i was like damn i didn't expect her to die off like that Mm -hmm. um the death honestly did get me a little bit because i was just like i do like this anime because i like how involved she is Mm -hmm. his life and like being the mentor and filling that uncle ben role the great power of great responsibility line as cheesy as it is, God, it's still like a crux, and it is a huge factor in Spider-Man. Right. So it's I, I can overlook the cheesiness because it is it's cheesy because it's important and it's overused for a reason because it is his, it is his thing. Yeah. And so it was nice to hear it. it, it it's weird not hearing it from Uncle Ben, but the Uncle Ben-ish role that Ma plays in in this Spider-Man is fine, and it. Sad to see her die. I agree with JJ. The happy thing, I thought that was just a kind of a funny thing. I was just like, all right, random, whatever. I ain't looking too much into that. But other than that, she she was good. She was she was nice. 
Yeah, and, um, uh, you know, getting to see Feast as well. We got to see that in the movie. Um, that means Mr. Negative. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could. <laughs> in, we'll see. Yeah, in the next trilogy. Um, I'd, I'd love that. Um, you know, and, and her message of, you know, she convinces Peter that he should try to help the, the bad guys. Like, and... Like, that just shows how influential she has and important she has been in Peter's life. I will say, at first when I saw that and, like, that message, I think maybe it's just because I knew how much of a menace Green Goblin is as a villain. Like, <laughs> right. he is the true power-crazed villain. Like, one of those classic ones of, I'm just doing this because I can villains, and which is nice. But the other ones, yeah, definitely need help in some regard. Mm-hmm. Like... I get where she was coming from, but there was still, like, I think what threw it off at first was just, I'm like, I'm like, ma'am, I know you don't know, but that's Green Goblin in the room, and yeah. he literally does not give two fucks. Like, Norman needs help, yes, but Green Goblin is just, like, something that, yeah, it's bad news. Right. So, like, and, like, the message, though, of just, like, hey, because, like, he was, because, like, this was, like, a weird situation, because at first, like, I just, I like to put myself, like, if I was in Tom, like, the hero's, like, situation, like, how would I respond? And the way Tom was like, he's like, it's really not my problem. He's like, he's like, it's not my situation to fix. He's like, I don't know what to do at the time. Like, mm-hmm. eventually he figures it out because he's smart and all that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's how I would react because I'm like, they're not from here. I'm like, yeah, because like, uh, like, because in the same boat, he's just like, he's like, what? Did I fix them and what? Send them back? Do they stay here? Like, do they get new lives? Like, how do I help? And like, eventually, you know, they get a course where they correct them and then eventually send them back but like still it's just like at first like when she first was talking about it she's like at first i was just like i'm like nah, this doesn't seem like something we should like really be worried about too much like this definitely doesn't seem like your problem like because it is yeah it's gonna be better for them to be in their world and yeah it's better for me because i don't got to deal with it but then later on i was like i thought about it more and like when they were talking about it again i was like it's part of just being a very heartful person. Like, a helpful person is going to help people. And it makes sense. Because that is this Aunt May, and that's the lesson she was trying to teach Peter. So, it does make sense, but I, I was definitely, like, in the same boat as Tom early on, where I'm like, it's not your problem, dude. Like, just get him out of here, please. Right. And we'll get we'll get to Green Goblin in a little bit. Um, Anything to say on John Favreau was happy in this movie? I mean, or... I think we can probably move past Happy. I just I think that's probably the end of his character arc because I don't see a way that they can reasonably bring him back in at this point. Yeah, I don't either. So, I, I um, I mean, did you guys know? I I know this is a little bit off topic, but apparently, uh, Happy was supposed to die in Iron Man three, but John Favreau told Marvel he didn't want Happy to die in Iron Man three, so they left him alive. Huh. That's come out oh. since then. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's not much else to do with happy at this point. So move on. Um, well, let, let's talk about, uh, the villains briefly and then we'll, we'll rank three of them later. Of course, we got to talk about our boy, uh, the goat himself. Uh, he's something of a scientist himself. Um, Willem Dafoe is Green Goblin and he's one of the most iconic comic book movie villains of all time. Um, and Willem Dafoe just nails it. I mean, my favorite part, and I said this with Josh and Gabe, my favorite part 
is in the hallway scene when Tom Holland is punching uh, is punching Green Goblin and Willem Dafoe just like smiles and then laughs maniacally in his face. Uh, like that to me, that that would be terrifying if someone if you're just punching someone and they just don't give a shit and they just laugh at you, like. Willem Dafoe just went off this movie, and he did it in the in the 2002 Spider-Man, but he went even more <laughs> off the wall in this movie, and it was great to see, so. Yeah, Willem Dafoe, I, one of the things that most of the villain characters do is, is just, uh, they play the exact same role they had in their previous movies. Like, it's not a change to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how into the um, split personality he gets in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really feels like a good continuation of the arc that he had in Spider-Man 1 mm-hmm. um, because the character gets further developed in this, in him trying to fight it. Um, which is, I, I, I just, I really like the continuation of this character and seeing him at Feast, like being Norman Osborn, not being the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how they use him kind of as this catalyst for the whole idea of should we be trying to save these quote-unquote villains? Like, I really hope that that moral question stays with Peter in future movies. Otherwise, why even bring it up? Um, right. A, a lot of good things that came from this character in this movie. Absolutely. Well, I definitely enjoyed seeing Green Goblin back. It was nice because we went back to, like I mentioned about how Green Goblin is just a stone-cold villain in terms of, I'm doing this because I can, because he prefers, like, gods don't have to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to see Green Goblin, like this Green Goblin, William Defoe, with the brilliant writing that can come out of the MCU universe. Right. And not be, like, where, where he was back in Spider-Man. They were still experimenting with the comic book feel, and they were purposely being cheesy in a lot of lines. Yeah. And a lot of ways that he would act, you know, like mm-hmm. it's the first thing I think of, like, if you look at the first Spider-Man, like Tobey Maguire, when he's on the roof, he just comes up and pats Spider-Man kind of like a head, like, hey, buddy, listen up, you know, <laughs> like, so, like, casual and like goofy. Yeah. But, like This one, they really showed like how menacing Green Goblin is like, and I loved it. The one thing I want more and the, and when I was trying to watch like the second time, when I seen the second time, where was the moment that it switched back for him. What, from Norman to Green Goblin? Green Goblin took back over. Because, like, obviously they hinted at when, like, like, it was really obvious when, like, Doc Ock was like, you're going to be whole again, you know, no more darker half. And they, like, they paused on him. I was like, oh, I guess that switch happened. But, it, like, it felt like it was, it, it felt like it should have, like, it happened beforehand. Right. But also to me, like, it, I don't know. If, I know, like, it happened, like, that was, like, when they were highlighting, like, hey, Switch happened, he's kind of a bad guy right now. I wish they didn't have that dramatic scene, because it would really have been really cool to show, like, how powerful the spider sense is in the sense of he can detect, like, threats like that. Yeah. I think that would have been greater there, because that would have been cool, like, oh, shit, he actually did full-out turn. But, like, when Doc, when uh, uh, Octavius was, like, Norman, you're going to be whole again. And they did the dramatic hold, and then he turns around, and you're like, oh. Yeah. It, it wasn't like one of those things where, like, it, they, if they wanted to do that, they should have had it where Norman felt more relieved. Like, 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 where you actually seen, like, a pleasant smile. Like, he's like, yeah, no, finally, you know, talking about it. 
But the way it did, I was like, I'm like, oh no. He turned there. I do agree. Goblin came around. Yeah. But no, William Defoe knocked it out of the part again. Definitely solidified. And I think now that he's in a more recent movie that people are going to see now, in a terms where villains are very popular, you really see how great of an actor and character Green Goblin is in a villain. Like, he is a menace. Right. And I loved how much he was tormenting Peter. And I do love like how much he wanted Peter to just go nuts. Like when he was like, I wanted to kill you myself, he was just like, finally. He's like, here yeah. you go. You got the power. Let's go down. If I go down this way, I go down, but you're gonna do this. Yeah. And definitely the strongest thing. I'm happy we got all the other villains in there, like with throwbacks and stuff. But boy, well, way William Defoe's going. I'm like, I want more Goblin. Yeah. I want to put Goblin in the classic costume. I love the new look that they had. It's cool. But as cheesy as it may have been, the fucking 2000 costume from the first Spider-Man, that mask, like, the way he looked when he first came, oh, man, I was like, dude, give me this Goblin. We are ready for some fun. Yeah. I think the good thing of breaking the mask was that we got to see more facial reactions for Willem Dafoe's acting. Well, yeah, I think that definitely was, like, the main, I think, strategy in it, and I agree yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. I think the best solution they could have done is, like, I mean, maybe, like, in terms of costume design, maybe, like, go with, like, a Green Goblin mask, but, like, more fitting around the face where it's, like, you could see facial reactions through it, mm-hmm. you know? But definitely the strength of William Dafoe is his, his facial acting. Like, his ability to, like, do different, like, facial expressions. And you've seen, like, the just sinisterness in his eyes. Definitely a strength. And I could definitely see why they had the mask, in a sense, like, replaced with just the goggles. It is a good look, though. Like, the tattered hood yeah. and all that. With, like, even just his chest plate and still showing. Yeah. That is a threatening look. And, man... I'm so glad they also put respect on how st- physically strong the Goblin is. Yeah. It's not like he's just throwing bombs. Like, his powers is, like, increased super strength. Like, he right. can throw hands. And he can match Spider-Man, not, like, fully match, but he can go toe-to-toe with Spider-Man's strength. And seeing just, like, Norman Osborn, like, he was mentally the Goblin, but seeing him, at, like, look like Norman Osborn and throwing Peter around, absolutely, like, picking him up, Freaking spine bustering him through like three floors. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, that dude. Oh. And Willem Dafoe did his own stunts. Like he he wanted to do his own stunts again. Yeah, he said he didn't want to come. He would not take the role back if he couldn't do the actions because he's like that's where you really find bond. Like like you build that bond with the character where you really feel like you're that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, see where you guys rank him when we get to the rankings. All right, well, let's also talk about Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. He's back as well. And I liked how this character took another progression from Spider-Man 2, where the tentacles and the broken chip were, like, making it so the tentacles were controlling him or speaking to him. And here it shows that he's just a... He's still a good person, just unfortunate circumstances made him evil. Um... And it, it was cool to see that, like, uh, turn to being good at the end, so. Um, just on a total side tangent, but I'm, it's on my mind. The nanotech, where he gets it onto his uh, tentacles, one, is a really cool upgrade to his suit. Yeah. Two, is one of 
two things, maybe more in this movie, that they just let happen and don't explain at all, which I'm not really all that mad about, um, but like this, and then when Peter's able to still move his body when he's astral projecting. That's a spider oh. sense. Just, spider like, sense, I, I know yeah. it's the spider sense. I know it's the spider sense. Like, But like, still, that's not, that's a whole different application of his power. Whatever. Um, anyway, Alfred Molina's cool being back. Um, I like that he can still be him and not lose his powers. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone else, they're trying to get rid of their powers altogether. But like for Doc Ock, you can just give him a, a chip again and then he regains control of the tentacles. That's like a whole nother moral facet of this. Like you're curing them, but this isn't necessarily what all of them want. Like, look at Electro. He doesn't want his powers to be gone. Is that... That's almost more cruel in some ways. I don't know. It's just this the whole thing, like, it gets really, really morally murky. Mm-hmm. For sure. Will, thoughts on Doc Ock? Great to see him back. Like, like you said, it was nice, too, because obviously the time where they plucked him, like, he was still dark chip. Right, he going through like that self control of like, oh, I can control these even, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it was nice to see that when he did get the new chip, the amount of peace, like his like, the amount of peace he just gained, and like even like you've seen it in his acting, like and he did a great job doing this. He was so much more relaxed mm-hmm. the moment the chip was there, like he, and it was and everything about it, great great actor kills the role again. Um, kind of would have liked to see. A, I mean, I enjoyed the fight. Like, it was definitely cool to see them go back and forth on it. Mm-hmm. Um, great seeing him again, and probably one of the best moments. Like, at least with him, was when he does eventually see Toby again. Oh yeah, and he's just so happy to see like the familiar face. You know, mm-hmm. a friendly one, not like Norman. You know, who is familiar, but like, you know what I mean? Right. But like a friendly face, and like seen his peter and it was like nice to just see him talk about it's like hey it's like it's good to see you my boy and i was like ah that was such (laughs) a good moment but great job great great performance good to see good old doc ock back i thought he was gonna be evil again like after he got blasted by electro i'm like well there goes that chip so they're gonna have to fight him but it it was kind of cool like you know to you know that they kept him good you know it was a nice little twist i guess but yeah, JJ, we're... When we get to him. I'll talk more about your point that you made about Electro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's go to Electro. Jamie Foxx is back. I love how they redeemed Jamie Foxx's Electro from Amazing Spider-Man Two. Like they, Jamie Foxx got to be more himself acting in this role more than being CGI'd and um, <laughs> not being able to do the things that he did here in Amazing Spider-Man Two. And I I thought he was really really fun too. So I um. It, and th- it does bring up an interesting moral question, as JJ said. So I really like this character, Joe, but it feels weird to make him so much different from the Max Dillon that we got in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even the character design. It's more like his personality. Right. Even as Electro, he was still this nerdy, um, like self-conscious guy who felt like he like he, who felt worthless he and i i get that he's in a different world and that the power feels different and he's got this different suit 
but I still don't think it would be that big of a character change for him. Um, that being said, awesome costume. I love the moment where they use his electricity coming out of him to be the mask from the comics. Right. Because like that all the time wouldn't really work in this more live action setting. Mm -hmm. um, just in general, Marvel does such a good job of giving good versions of comic book costumes to the screen. Um, and this was a case where that really happened. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. It is, it is, a, it is weird that it was a complete personality change for sure, but it was fun to see nevertheless. Will, your thoughts on, uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro? I, I agree with JJ. It was kind of, it was definitely like a weird, like shift mm -hmm. on how this guy like had a, like a different personality entirely. And part of me actually thinks that I know JJ was like, you know, kind of threw up a lot of things of, oh, it could be this, but it still didn't like make sense of it. Part of me feels like it's because he's, he is in a whole uni new universe. It might have like been like a thing of, Jamie might have been going with an attitude of, nobody knows me. Mm -hmm. They just told me I got this power. I'm going to act like it. You know, like I'm not going to like, because remember when he was talking to Garfield, that was like when you've seen a little bit more of that emotional, like, man, I'm a nobody yet. Like, yeah. That's like, you were like, getting a lot more of like closer to old Electro, you know, like closer, I'll say. Mm -hmm. so, I do like this because I do like seeing like Jamie Foxx pull off that cocky role mm -hmm. and Electro is powerful and I loved it like I definitely like this JJ I agree with you great little callback to like the OG costume they had and the use of it with the electricity power I like how they move it back to the yellow yeah you know, they were like going with like okay new power we're gonna make this yellow and it was really cool like I, I like it because they were they were showing, like, how much of a menace he could be, too, because even, like, when he was in his, behind his, like, like, the little, like, in his little cell, that magical barrier, like, when he was, like, trying to feel that power again, like, the lights were flickering, I was just, the only thing I could think of, I'm like, could he still do something right now? I know he's separated by magic, but, like, like, man, Electro could be doing something right now. He's just chilling, though, like. Yeah. But I, I definitely like Jamie Foxx a lot more in this one. I think, I think, though, what it is, though, is, like, what it what made it easier for a lot of us too is he wasn't the central point of villain, mm -hmm. and I think that allowed him to have a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more freedom because, and it's not like a knock on Jamie, you know, it's right. more so like you are on the same screen as um, Doc Ock and Green Goblin, like you were talking about two icons in the Spider-Man world in terms of villains, like it's hard to top that, but he still was unique enough to where it's like I laughed at a lot of his little one-liners like his little snarky comments i got a chuckle out of it i enjoyed his presence and i i felt his power like when he was like fighting i was like uh this dude's a this dude's a menace too like <laughs> we're talking about green goblin but electro is no joke yeah i loved uh him talking to andrew and being like i thought i thought you'd be black and that was a reference to miles oh, morales <laughs> so that was fun um all right uh so Let's talk about Sandman and Lizard a little bit. I believe it seems they reused footage from Spider-Man 3 for Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman. Um, I don't know if they did the same for Re-Siphons as Lizard when he turns back to Dr. Connors. Um, I don't know if that was reused or not. But um, they were they were here. Obviously, they didn't get that much. But, um, I mean, I guess at first it was cool that Sandman, like, tried to help Spider-Man. Like, that was also a thing from Spider-Man 3. But, um, 
I don't know. That they were just here for me, and that's why I didn't really feel the need to rank them at, when we go to rankings. Disney has a history of reusing footage from old films and putting them into newer ones. Yeah. Um, the, like I, a couple examples: Snow White and Dumbo. Um, both had clips that then later showed up with just reskinned animations. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like this was a good movie for Sandman to get more in because in Spider-Man three with the multiple villains, it just made it difficult for any one villain to get all the time they needed mm-hmm. except for, I think Harry, but that's because Harry had already been in two movies. So we right. didn't really need as much for him. Um, and then lizard, I, I, I don't think the movie would have suffered at all had Lizard not been there. Right. Not that I had any problem with Lizard. It was just like he was there because he was a villain in another movie. Right. So. Right. Will, any other thoughts on Sandman and Lizard? I personally was not a big fan of Sandman in this. Mm -hmm. Because, especially with the way they were formatted, like, they were fighting Spider-Man and they were about to die. Last time we seen Spider-Man and Sandman, they were kind of left on mutual terms. And even then, when he first came in, Sandman was cool, thinking that it was Toby. So I was just like, okay, so at what point, like, happened here to where, you know, like, you were, like, fighting Spider-Man again? Or when did it pluck you? Because obviously it pulled you after the whole deal with Venom and all that, and Mm -hmm. you already left. You still want to see your daughter, which is fine, but it's just like, it felt like a weird place on his moral compass of, where did they pluck you from? Like, when did they pluck you? Mm -hmm. And because, like... I get the whole not trusting thing and then him wanting to fight. Okay, I get all that. But, like, he was such a weird one because there was no – I didn't know what to do with it. Right. Like, was he bad? Was he not bad? They didn't really give him a reason. Like, it wasn't like Tom was doing anything that was, like, untrustworthy. I kind of feel like that's the whole theme of this movie with the villains, though. And Sandman embodies it better than the others because he already had kind of made the shift from being bad to being he just wanted to his daughter, and he just wanted to go, and he just wanted the box because he was just like, just send me. I'm just want to go. Give me the box and send me back, you know. Mm-hmm. And he knew he wasn't going back without the others being cured. But that's where I'm like, then why wouldn't you be with him if you know he's trying to do that? And like, so he's a weird one. I actually, and this is probably gonna be a little bit unpopular, even though it was short time. I really like the lizard in this. Ooh. And this is why I like the lizard. I'm not saying like top tier or anything in comparison here, but I right. like I liked what he was doing because definitely had that cold reptile like feel to him. Obviously, lizard, but like everything he was about, he was talking like because like the way he was speaking the threats, he was just like, "It's gonna backfire on you. I'm gonna be there when it does." And like the scene where he's in the truck and he hears Jay Emerson talking, he's like, "It's happening." He's like, "It's gonna go down." Mm-hmm. Be ready, because he was sitting there on his own, just waiting. Because he, we saw he could get out of that truck without any problems. He was just buying his time, and I loved it. Like he didn't have a lot of lines. He was not no big major role, but in terms of just being that, like ticking time bomb in a sense. Like Green Goblin was the ticking time bomb, but like he was another bomb. Just I was sitting there the whole time, like what is Lizard going to be the one that gets the snowball rolling? Is he going to be the one that kind of like? absolutely goes nuts you know what i mean like like that tri- re-triggers norman because that's how i thought it was gonna be yeah but i really liked the list i don't it was i'm not saying he was like great you know like the best thing in it but i i just personally liked him in the in the role that he was given same man it was so fucking confusing 
Because even then, when he was fighting, like, he, like, I know it was tough because, like, it's, like, animation and all that. He's not the main focus and all that. But still, I was just, like, man, like, I, even when in, like, the final fights, like, you don't even know what to do with him. Right. What he really did was slide through, try to grab him, try to get the box, and then almost bury Toby. Right. And, I mean, he was the first villain to get cured. Yeah, and then after that, you'd only see, like you said, they probably reused image because a lot of it looked familiar. And he didn't say shit. Right. afterwards right and so i was just like oh okay so like even then it was just like was he just there for like a throwback because if you think about it like toby had three villains there right he did yeah all three from all three of his movies yeah yeah and then andrew Norman, had the two and then sandman and then andrew garfield had just the lizard and, and, and electro. electro yeah yeah if anything I don't know, I feel like if they were going to do, like, another, like, villain, like, maybe have, I don't know, make Holland have, like, another villain that just kind of came out of nowhere. That would have been kind of, like, a nice little balance or a little spin on it. I don't know. I know it's, like, dealing with multiverse thing, but that's how I'm feeling right now. Samuel just, like, shouldn't have been there. Yeah, that's true. Jake and I kept talking about Scorpion because they set him up a little bit. In Homecoming. Uh, Yeah, in Homecoming. Matt Gargan. Yeah. He was the guy that got hit by the car in Homecoming on the uh, Staten Island Ferry, and then he was in the post-credit scene. Working in that, it would have been cool. Like, yeah. it just something. Like, well, I, you do bring up some interesting points about the lizard too, though. Like he, he's just kind of okay. I'll go along with this until it doesn't work, and then I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, I think that's really what makes the villains so much more interesting than the heroes. Sometimes is that they have. I, of course, they have flexible morals, but like they have different motivations that they can have. Almost all of our superheroes are motivated by, I need to protect people and do this specific thing. I always need to do the right thing. But these villains are all over the place. Some of them are just like, well, I'm here because it serves me. Others are like, I want to gain power. Others are like, I want to cause destruction. I want to take over the world. And it wasn't like Lizard was like hiding either. He said to Shredder, he's like, yeah. it's like, oh, either go with you or die. Damn, we really, really yeah. twisted the arm here. All right, I guess I'm just going to chill with you until this goes wrong. And he literally, it's not like he was hiding it. It's <laughs> the first thing he said when he was like, I told you there was going to be consequences. Like, I told you. And he, hey. he's not being actively bad. Like, he's not actively a villain in this movie. He just wants to get the box so he can go back home and not die. Yeah, not even, yeah, he was just like, he's like, at least if I have the box, I could choose. Right. And he's like, he gets the power of his own choice in there. And even then, I mean, he is a menace. Like, he was a nice little threat in there. I, I took him more seriously than Sandman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think we can agree that Sandman was the worst of the five. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, uh, I like Sandman better than Lizard in this movie, but... Oh, bite me, JJ. <laughs> oh, my God. Lizard was better than Sandman, in my opinion. <laughs> With respect, JJ, to your opinion. <laughs> All right. Um, let, let's talk about our big uh, appearances, returning appearances. Let's start with the cameo from Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock or Daredevil. Uh, JJ, I know uh, Daredevil is one of your favorite superheroes in Marvel. I'll let you. I have such mixed feelings on this because on the one hand it's fucking daredevil. Yeah. But on the other hand, I got him for like two minutes. <laughs> um, and I, 
Marvel has not done a lot of cameos from characters that aren't already well established. Like this is his introduction into the MCU and it's a different way for them to bring in characters. So it feels a little weird for this being one of the first times having that happen. But lately with the direction that the Marvel universe has gone, they've really been doing all of this crossover stuff in references to other films and other things going on. As that becomes more prevalent, things like this little cameo here and there are going to feel more natural and better. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, we haven't led up to it yet because the interconnectedness of the movies is really more of an evolving aspect of the MCU. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt weird. I'm not unhappy because I really, really, really want more Daredevil. Like, you don't even know, but yeah. Yeah, at least he's back, and we could see him more in She-Hulk and stuff. So, um, I, I I think we'll see more Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock for sure. Well, your thoughts on Daredevil? Um, definitely was surprised to see him again. Another one of those like, oh damn, like surprises. I was mm-hmm. very happy to see him. Like JJ, I mean, I'm not as big a Daredevil fan as JJ is. I JJ holds the crown on that one. <laughs> I, mean, I like Daredevil. I think he's a cool character. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not gonna lie. I'm just like he's not one of like right. But like, it, I also had I had I had mixed emotions for the fact because I was just like, I was like I'm like sitting here I'm like oh man, are we even just gonna get a snippet of Daredevil being in like seeing the costume or something like that like what they're gonna do with it or seeing him with Spider Man because I would love that, but then he, he was just gone. But again, Marvel doing their shit where they're like here's a character, you know it, we're gonna put him over here for now because we'll get back to this later or we've. Because, like, they've talked about it with, like, in the show, you know what I mean? Obviously, he's had it, mm-hmm. some kind of development. But you still want to see him on the big screen. So they're just like, here's this. And eh, we're just going to send him to the side right now. You, you haven't earned it yet. And so I, that, that to me was, like, a tease, but it was a good one. I definitely liked the whole, like, that quick little scene of him catching the brick. Yeah. Showing I actually the- dislike that. Oh. oh, my goodness. What? I dislike it because it's out of character for Daredevil. These people don't know that he's Daredevil, and he just revealed that he's not blind, like, or not blind uh, in the sense that he normally does. Like, he hid this from the people closest to him for his entire time knowing them, and he's just going to do that. This was very much a, we need to show you that this is Daredevil and he's a badass moment, and, like, that was cool. It was a great moment, and I loved watching it, but it's so out of character. See, I'm going to disagree because that's pure instinct, though. Because that came through. It's almost like as secondhand as anything because, like, yeah, he doesn't know it, but at the end of the day, he's still a hero. He's got to do the right thing. Because if you – the one thing I did like, though, is both Peter and him reacted right. pretty much the damn same time. Because if he didn't catch it, Peter was going to stop it. And Peter at that point had nothing to hide because he's like, all right, everybody knows I'm Spider-Man, so it's like I can – show my freakish you know like abilities to like stop a flying brick coming through the place but like him doing it i think it was just a yes I, it was definitely just them to even like emphasize like hey this is daredevil we're not fucking with you it is that matt murdoch here's a little snippet of him not being completely blind yeah but in terms of out of character i don't see it out of character because in that brief moment it, when something like that happens it's a reaction and yeah. because it's like we've seen it before in past like hero movies and stuff like that where the hero will do something like they'll show off their power for like a brief moment because they're like shit like an oh shit moment and then they have to find a way to like 
quickly explain it because it's an awkward situation then and it adds a little humor i do like the whole line of i'm a good lawyer yeah he would have just left it be like he just caught it sat down and just played it off like nothing happened like not even brain like how'd you do that and so anyway so yeah happy i think you need to get a really good lawyer right now it just doesn't even mention that it happens that would have been more hilarious yeah that's a potential way for Happy to come back. Although I don't need him to be back. But I don't either. Like, he's one of Matt's clients. Yeah. Well, so here's yeah. my thoughts. Also, like, okay, so I think like the Netflix shows, like some of them, pretty much anything except Iron Fist. Like they, <laughs> they were good shows. Defenders was terrible too, but okay. Well, yeah. So Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, like those shows were still good. Um, but I don't necessarily, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I don't necessarily consider them MCU canon at this point, although they do reference the movies, but the movies don't reference them. Um, I think that because they're bringing in, uh, Matt Murdock into the main MCU, that this is maybe a different interpretation, like, a different interpretation that they're making Charlie Cox do within the MCU, so maybe he's a little bit more quippy i believe i heard on another podcast that they're they could be doing a more light-hearted version of daredevil from the comics i would be sad i'm not gonna lie because i, I really like the I version that we got in the netflix series mm-hmm. and I, personally i don't feel like that's a strategically sound move for marvel to do because of the success of the netflix daredevil series i think that if they're going to bring in the same actor for the same character and potential hawkeye spoiler so tune out for like 30 seconds the same actor for the same for kingpin in the same universe that why wouldn't they stay true to the characters you know yeah Um, it also it makes the canonic timeline so damn messy because daredevil is canon to all of the Defender series and Punisher. So oh, right, if Punisher. He's too. now canon to the MCU. Does that by proxy make all of them canon as well? They were if always, they from what I know, they were always canon. Those were always canon. Were they? Yes. I, from what I remember and from what I've seen, they have always been considered canon. It's just <sighs> been a matter of timeline where do they fit in? Because where are we getting this Matt Murdock in, ter- in correlation to? When did he go on his shenanigans and shit like that? When did all that take place in relation to what's happened in the MCU? Yeah, that's, it's just... It, that's it's a mess now. Yes. I mean, I, there's advantages to getting the same actor, and, and there's disadvantages, like you were saying, because it's harder for them to make adjustments of any kind, for better mm-hmm. or worse. Because even if they make something better, you're just like, oh... That seems weird, especially like if the timelines don't match. You're like, well, why wasn't he like that in this? You know, if he's always been like this, or vice versa, if like they improve it and make him completely different, or not improve, but like say he does like a 180 in a sense, and you're just like, where did this happen? If again, like when did he become this? So, but the pros of it is obviously you are familiar with his face, you are familiar with this being Daredevil, you can work with this, and it's a smoother transition. Than just saying, "Hey, here's a whole new Mac Murdock," and De- Air Devil's still canon, but we did just didn't get the same actor, so now you have the again. Then you're having the whole Mark Ruffalo and uh, Edward uh, Edward Norton, yeah, Edward Norton situation, where you're like, "How do I explain this situation?" Personally, 
And I know this is prescription of my own wants, but uh, the only way I'd really be happy with a new take on Daredevil still being played by Charlie Cox is if they were two different multiverse versions of Daredevil. And it's totally fine for them both to be played by Charlie Cox, but if they're just from different universes, they would act differently. Cool. That That's what I was referring to that the other podcast was saying that because this is... Oh, okay. That, that he would be more lighthearted here because he's a different universe's version. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I hope it's not. I hope they keep it the same universe. The only thing I would think of, and I'm hoping it, just because it's going to be further down the line before we get something with Daredevil. Because mm-hmm. they already came out with the list of what we're getting soon. Yeah. So we kind of have an idea of what we're getting in, re- in recent times here. What yeah. We're gonna get. I would like to see a rated R Daredevil movie. I feel like that would be probably one of, like, you know, we talk about how Deadpool was could only really be done in rated R, like true Deadpool in a sense. Mm-hmm. I really feel like we could get, you could do a PG-13 movie with Daredevil, but I feel like to get like the grittiness of him. Yeah. And especially a lot of like, especially dealing with like someone like a Kingpin, like the Kingpin. Right. And that gang violence and mafia style, radar would be a great thing because you could really do some dark themes and not have to hold back. I also wouldn't be surprised if with Daredevil and uh, others that we now get Punisher as well because Punisher was also wildly successful on Netflix if they reprised John Bernthal of that role. That would be really cool. I I feel like he's not that far behind. Yeah. Remember, because of Eternals, Blade is here too. So we're getting some of the old older, dark, grittier heroes coming through here, and some Punisher, Daredevil, Blade. There's going to be a wave of them coming through, and I hope they keep that... I don't mind some quippiness to balance it out, because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you just need a good little chuckle every now and then. Right. Just to break some tension, especially because it's not a horror movie. You know what I mean? I don't need to be, like, feeling like that throughout the whole movie. But, Mm -hmm. like... They could have a darker tone, and they could start, like, a, a new chain for Marvel where it's like, okay, now we're back to gritty. Like, we're going to do some harsher tones here. Right. Now I just need Nick Cage back as Ghost Rider. Oh, God. <laughs> Please. They're, they're, yeah, no, we're not, I don't want Nick. I love Nicolas Cage for memes, but for the sake of successful Ghost Rider, they're, they're talking, already talking about, uh, what's his name? From, uh, Norman Reedus, I believe, is yeah. from Walking Dead. We can talk about that later, but, like, I'm just saying, like, if we, if I'm still waiting for my Ghost Rider to come back, so let's calm it down, there, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get to our main our main two that everybody was excited about because Sony again is terrible it's at hiding leaks. Kind of talking about yeah. already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we already have, but yeah, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Obviously, I clapped I clapped twice when they both showed up. JJ knows. Um, the first time watching it and. I love that they even gave them their own character arcs within this movie, branching from their own universes. Um, like, Andrew had the whole thing with dealing with his demons, with not being able to save Gwen, and then saving MJ in this movie. And then Toby, like, telling Otto that he's trying to be a better person, and, like, you know, saving, or stopping uh, Tom Holland from um, putting the glider in Goblin. Like, that... It's just amazing how they were able to take those characters and really nail them again. And so I I loved seeing them here and 
I wasn't sure how they'd be able to work it out uh, with this movie being so stuffed as it was, but they really pulled it off. So This also does open up the possibility of additional Tobey Maguire and or Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies Yeah, uh, just for the interim time. I don't think it'll happen um, just because I feel like especially Tobey, he's like 50 now. Yeah, he's 46. Um, might, might just be done with it. Mm-hmm. But like I, I am more I am I want to know what's happened in the intervening time because uh, there's a lot of time between the Raimi movies and now almost twenty years. Right. Know? I feel like we're gonna get more Garfield than Toby. I think Toby. This was like the final passing of the torch moment. Yeah, I think Garfield, he's done. We already talked about like there's a a huge push for getting Amazing Spider-Man three out, and mm-hmm. because the thing that's exciting is that a lot of people are talking about is. And the tone that he was presenting, especially Garfield was showing, he's like, I'm not holding punches back. Because he said, he's like, I stopped. And so when you're just thinking back, you're like, oh, we might get a wave here. And because it's still Sony, there's a good chance. Maybe Morbius, maybe the third Venom, you know, like stuff like that. We could get Garfield, maybe not his own movie, but in a sense of Garfield Spider-Man is going to be around, especially since... Morbius has recognized Spider-Man exists. Right. So what if it were Morbius? So that could come back around. And it could be Garfield, which would be great because I'm loving the fact that the fan base is recognizing, once again, how great of a Spider-Man Garfield is. The movies were, like, I'm going to say the movie, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is terrible. But Amazing Spider-Man 1, I think, is underrated. Yeah, I definitely don't think we're done with these other Spider-Man characters. Um, No. Just look at, like, Into the Spider-Verse, and the whole premise of the second movie is, well, now we know that we all exist, so I'm going to bring you in for this thing that I need help with. And that totally makes sense. Yeah. Now that the multiverse is open, it's open. There's no going back from it now. Um, And bringing those characters back in for these things that make sense to have the Spider-Men working together on is bound to happen sooner or later. It happens all the time in the comics. And I think, Jake, to get on your point, I didn't think Toby went through an arc. I think the only thing they did, Toby, is they showed how much he's learned. Because he's older. Like, they already said he's eight. He is a mentor to both of them. That's why I think Garfield's going to get a little bit more work because... Like, his little interaction when he's talking about, do you have somebody in Garfield's like, I don't have time for that. He's, like, too busy with Spider-Man stuff. Right. So he's like, hey, don't give up. You know, it's like, we can make, we, I made it work, you can make it work. So there was that mentorship there. Him talking about Tom, you know what I mean? That was a mentorship right there. Like, I like that, that that's what Toby was doing because that's what felt right for the first Spider-Man. Right. And it was, Garfield, I, the best thing about it was each of their they were on the same screen together, but neither one outdid the other. Right. You had that quick little duel, but it showed the experience that Toby had as Spider-Man. Like, not relying, like, he learned, like, it's like, all right, I'm just shoot. you know what I mean? The, like, the minor details in that little duel, web duel they had. Yep. And, but, like, they weren't outdueled. Like, it wasn't like one was trying to outdo the other. They were just naturally how they were. Garfield was a more lighthearted Spider-Man, even though he went through, before Tom, Let's be honest, Garfield went through shit. Oh, yeah. Ben, which was not highlighted as much. He lost Uncle Ben, and he his girlfriend died. Right. Him, him trying to save her. Right. Like, he has seen shit. Like, he has gone through trauma. Like, my boy was crying just trying to, like, retell it again. I felt bad. You know what I mean? His emotion... 
his yeah. his emotion when he saved MJ, like that was powerful. I, Andrew Garfield was fantastic in this movie. Yeah, he was so and, funny too. <laughs> like he was quick, hippy. Like the thing that I love about him, and like he is very caring. I liked it about him. He's just a pure-hearted dude. Yeah. But like, seeing him go through a lot of pain, but still make those like moments, it it shows you just like how good of a Spider-Man he is because he recognizes like I'm going through a lot of pain, but this is how I deal with it. I gotta make these jokes. He's like, even though I'm going through, like, because he says he stopped pulling the punches, but making those jokes, being a little bit lighthearted when the situation seemed grim, it's like the only way he can cope with it. And it's really nice. And seeing just the evolution of what we got, you know what I mean? Because we always talking about it all, because this was like the classic, like, like barbershop talk of which Spider-Man was the best, you know, because we always rec- remember, it's like, oh, the, he was in this movie, and then he was in this one, you know, how the the writing of this one prevented this and shit like that. But we've seen them just, even for like a s- small portion of what it was, seeing them on the screen, seeing them just interact in the way that they were as Spider-Man is the way we remember it. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of see it and you're like, they were all good in their own ways. Now, you have your personal favorite. Like, Garfield's still personally my favorite. Yeah. Like, I may have some critiques on whether or not he was the best Peter Parker. I still don't think he, like, captured the look of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And it throws me off. But in terms of what I think of post-spite Spider-Man or post-spite Peter Parker with Spider-Man Evolved, Andrew Garfield's got it. Like, and it's not close in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say it's not close, but it, it's just my personal opinion. People like Tom Holland because he's like a close blend of it all. A lot of people like Toby because he's the OG. You know, he started it all. So it was nice just to see all three of them, you know, develop. And even Tom, like, as Spider-Man, showed his strengths of. He was the only one out of them all to work on a team and feel that role. And it was nice to see him take a leadership role. Like, it was really cool. And I liked how they didn't have it where this pecking order. They rolled with it. They were like, all right, hey, you, you want it? We're, we're rolling with the punches, man. You take a charge, we'll follow. Yeah. I um, I just love that moment where Tom's like, yeah, I'm in the Avengers. And Toby's like, that's great. <laughs> we're the Avengers. Thank God for the, is that a band? Are you in a band? <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, Peter 1, Peter 2. I'm Peter 3. <laughs> There's so many. I don't know what's going on, but Peter 3. <laughs> God, it just... Yeah, all the funny moments were just great. Uh, I have the tingle, just not for bread. <laughs> God. I, uh, just the fact that we got them together is incredible. Um, yeah, I, I just love everything they pulled off in this movie so um all right well i think that's how i think we've covered all the cast finally um so let's get to our post credits uh of course we gotta get uh our big our other big cameo here tom hardy is back as eddie brock and venom uh he's learning about the mcu uh at the bar and uh big angry green man and aliens don't collect stones <laughs> um and i just want to I, I wonder how drunk tom hardy actually was because <laughs> i feel like he was actually kind of drunk just how it seemed or he's just really good at acting drunk but um and then he gets warped back to sony his own sony universe and but he leaves a little bit of the symbiote behind so thoughts on this i just my favorite part of that is just the comparison of the universes, like, this whole, so wait, there's just 
powered people everywhere here. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I just, that's such a radical difference between this world and other worlds that we've gotten with single characters like the rainy Spider-Man trilogy or the amazing Spider-Man duo. It's just like, there's one hero, but here we have the fucking Avengers, mm-hmm. you know? Who are they? <laughs> Will, talk about your boy. This was like, to me, like how J.J. was with Daredevil. Mixed emotions. On the one hand, I was so happy to see my boy. I was like, Tom Hardy's here. Cool. They hinted at it at the end of Venom 2. We're going to see him. And he's like, I'm going to go to New York and I meet this Spider-Man. I was like, yes, you are. I want to see this. And then they warp him back. I'm like, you bastards literally brought him in (laughs) for two post-credit scenes? Yeah. And then they were like, here's the little bit of the symbiote, which raises a question. If that's still part of Venom, how did that not get transported? Because that's not part of this original universe. So how did that stay behind Hmm. of all things? I don't know. it needs to drive the plot. I I know that. But, like, again, it still doesn't make sense. So that's what made me mad about it because I was like, just let me keep Tom Hardy. Like, I know it was a worldly spell, but I will take plot holes in the fact that somehow he avoided because nobody knew he existed. Also, at the same time, why did nobody go find him? If Strange was, like, sensing these other presents, like, why did nobody, like, pop in at him yet? You know what I mean? Like, I know that it wasn't like they had this exact radar going, but but I guess maybe then at some point when Strange was like, I'm just sending him back, so he's like, if I miss something, like, foosh, it'll, it'll clean up. So I guess that in a way makes sense, but still, I was so happy to see Tom Hardy, but I was so upset that they just, literally, they used two post-credits. Right. To get the sim they did the most runaround shit in the world to get the symbiote into this universe. And it's also gonna raise a question then how he's gonna know everything about Tom Hardy then. Because if they keep true to the symbiote, the symbiote will like let you know about what's happened. Right. And the experiences it had. Mm-hmm. So is he going to know about Tom, like, in this other universe? Is it going to be, like, a different personality entirely now? Mm-hmm. Like, when he bonds with, like, Peter? Like, are we going to get, like, a whole new, like... Like, I don't know what, like, what's going to happen, so I'm intrigued. But I was really looking forward to seeing Tom Hardy and Tom Holland interact. I wanted Tom Hardy's Venom to interact with this Peter Parker. Because I, I know it's, like, not a lot of people are big fans, but I like this Venom. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's like I do. Like I've grown to love the goofball. He's great. He's a, he's a definitely a menace. Like he still will like throw and bite people's heads off, and I like it. But just to get him for literally in this two post credit scenes, just two post credit scenes. That's all you can give me. Right. I was hoping like he would at least pop in at the end of the movie, because that would have been a fun little team up right there too. I, I'm. Like, I don't know, fuck Sam, man. Have Venom, I don't know. Like, yeah. Not as a villain, but, like, it'd been cool, like, you know, like, hey, amongst all these things, here's another person who showed up. Or even pull, like, what they did in, like, X-Men, uh, like, like first class. Yeah. And they highlighted Hugh Jackman. Like, he literally was just a bartender and he told him to fuck off. <laughs> it would have been great if Peter went to fucking Mexico. It's like, oh, there's another thing. And, like, he's like, so are you not from here? And then just, like, have some awkward interaction. He's like, I'm not dealing with this right now. Like, some shit. Like, yeah. that would have been hilarious. Like, I would just have a quick look, or have him run into, like, Tom Hardy, but not know he's from a different universe. 
Mm-hmm. Like, so he's not, like, trying to web him or anything. Right. Like, that would have been hilarious. But, no, we just had just two post-credit scenes with Tom Hardy in the MC Universe, so my dreams are squandered, unless they do some other crossover bullshit, but whatever. Talking about the symbiote reminded me of one of my favorite mo- moments of the three Spider-Men, in that they were like, well, I fought in space, I fought an alien, I fought nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Except the guy in a rhino suit. <laughs> yeah, I'm the least cool of the three of us. He's You're like, amazing. Uh, I love that. That was awesome. Um, and I think that also speaks to the fact that I feel like, it, like you said, well, that Andrew's a bit underrated in the fact that the from the fan community. So I I thought even the your amazing moment was like speaking to that a little bit. Yes, you are amazing. Yeah. Oh, own it, Garfield. Yeah. So I mean, to that point, I think unfortunately the reason he got pulled back is because Sony wants Venom back in their universe. I don't, I, it's, it's, I agree, it's just a weird thing that they decided to pull here, um, to get... Well, he's not a villain, like, let, let's not act like he's a villain, he's not. Like, yeah. We're um, probably gonna get a more villain Venom with whatever future Spider-Man thing they're going to, they're gonna go with the black suit. Mm-hmm. Probably we're gonna get another Eddie Brock at some point, so, unless they spin that differently. I don't know what they plan on doing, but we'll probably get an evil Venom. Yeah. So, that, but who knows what they do. Again, it's just... Sometimes they're just doing too much. You know what I mean? Multiverse yeah. is cool because you had if, like a lot of different possibilities and stuff. But sometimes it's just too much. I agree. Like, it was already... like a, It was a cool little leap that it happened, you know, with him. Like, getting plucked into the universe. Mm-hmm. But then, like, at the same time, like... Wait a minute. Hold on. Now I got another question. Now that I think about it. How did he get... How was he the one that got pulled in? Because I, he didn't know who Peter was. Right, that was the... That was the, um... Caveat to getting pulled in, right? Um... Because, like, the way that they did it, like, he got sucked in, right? Right. But he didn't know who Peter was. So he shouldn't have been pulled in. And if he still didn't know who Peter was at the end of it all... Unless, like, the guy just told him at the bar, but he still didn't really know him. Because, like, yeah. if you did, if you knew of Peter Parker, does that still count as knowing who Peter Parker is? So, if I remember from the Venom 2 post credit scene, didn't, like, Venom tell Eddie that he basically had, like, hive knowledge of, like, other universes? And then, like, he sort of had the thing where, like, when they were transported there and he, they looked at the screen yeah. and venom was like i know this guy like so i think that's why he got transported because so that means there's symbiotes already though in the universe in mc universe but they didn't i don't know <laughs> oh my see again i know plot holes happen just because the nature of just we got to move the plot along it's sony it's sony so, sony it, i'm still confused though because it's just like Unless he was talking about, like, Andrew... Like, he's just confirming Andrew Garfield was, or, like... Or was he in Toby's universe? I think I think it's one, at least, that would be more likely to be from Andrew's, because, I mean, we already had Topher Grace in Toby's, and we saw how that no, turned out. Saying, like, if it's high knowledge, there was a symbiote in Toby's. So oh, yeah. Maybe that's what he got fucked from? That's... Yeah, I see what no, you're saying. That one? Like, that's... at least that connection? But then when he pulled in, he saw the spider, he's like, oh... 
Spider-Man, Spider. Hey, look, there's a connection. Right. Yeah, that's very, very possible. Even um, then, that still shouldn't make sense because if it's Hive knowledge, he would know what which Peter Parker it would be. Anyways, diving too deep. I'm gonna it, get upset. It, it's it. <laughs> It's Sony. I don't think Sony makes sense some of the time. <laughs> well, at the same time, though, too, like sometimes, like the way things were written back then, or like it's the way things were set up originally, right? So as they go, that it's not always going to be the easiest transition, especially when you're doing a lot with multiverse. At some point, things just don't add up. And right. That's fine. Right. And that's fine, but it's just like you have to live with that. There's going to be inconsistencies. Yeah. Well, let, let's move on to our Doctor Strange 2 teaser, if there's anything we want to say. Main points, we get the Multiverse and Chaos, the Return of Mordo. Looks like Christine, Rachel McAdams' character, and Strange uh, are marrying, or at least he's at her wedding. Uh, Strange goes to Wanda for help. Um, looks like we get a sneak peek at America Chavez, who is being played by Zochi Gomez, and I don't know much about that character, but that is who that other uh girl is uh that they showed and then we look like we get strange supreme from what if uh that is gonna be in this so yeah some really cool stuff thoughts it's also a trailer as opposed to credit (laughs) we got that from uh the first captain america for the with the avengers trailer yeah (laughs) i I don't like it either but (laughs) I didn't need to sit in the theater that long. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was weird because when I first started, I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, we're gonna get like a post credit scene because I think it started off with like Strange going to see Wanda. And I was like, okay, but the <laughs> way it was cut and like the way I was like, I'm like, it's a weird post credit scene. Like, is this like some crazy? Is like Strange going insane? No, the way it started off was like Strange just walking around and things were destroyed. I was like, right, like, oh, Strange is going insane right now. Yeah, you know, like casting the spell had some other consequence on him because he's probably remembering certain things. He's trying to remember, like after he just cast the memory wipe spell, mm-hmm. so he's probably going a little crazy. And then all of a sudden, the one, I'm like, oh no, it's a trailer. Oh, it's not just strange, like you know, into the like multiverse of madness or whatever. You know, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, like, you know, it, it's weird that that was like this. I it, like JJ brought this up off camera, like. Why show it at like the trailer as a second post in a post second post credit slot when you're just gonna release the trailer anyways? Right. I'd yeah. Much really rather had like even if it was just like a funny little snippet as a post credit second post credit scene or at least something to like hint at spy like the like a future Spider Man movie or something or even or if you wanted to do a trailer of some kind do like a little sneak peek into like saying hey. Andrew Garfield will return or something like that because that would have been hype. I would have been like, dope. But hey, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I think it would have been cool if it if they just cut the part if they just had a part where Strange went to find Wanda. I think that would have been fine if they just didn't show the rest of the trailer and they just had a little more of the scene with Strange talking to Wanda. Or even just use leave it at that. Just like, hey, Wanda, I need your help, and then bam. Yeah. All right. Cool. Right. We, we know what it is. Like, we knew that she was going to be around. And then released the trailer, and it's like, oh, that's what that clip's from. Yeah. Boom. That, may, that would make more sense. All right. Um, so let uh, Easter eggs, I mean, we had a ton of meme references, as we said throughout. Um, the When the multiverse cracks, they show silhouettes of Rhino and Scorpion. I did notice more when I... From the original costumes, too. Right, yeah. I did notice more when I went back for the second time. 
Um, apparently, there also Craven was in the multiverse crack as well. Josh said that. Uh, yeah, because he was holding the spear. Because at first when it showed, I'm like, "What the fuck's Aquaman doing here?" And then I saw it again. I was like, "Oh, that's just like a regular spear." I thought it was trying to like, "Uh oh, Namor's coming or some shit." Or like they're they're hinting at the universe is fucked up so much we crossed into the DC universe as well. Yeah. Um, and then um. Apparently there was a deleted scene that got cut when um, Tom gets the uh, paint, green paint thrown on his suit. Apparently there was a scene where Tom Holland's brother, Harry Holland, was uh, a drug dealer and he got webbed up and they cut that scene out of the movie. Um, and of course the Miles Morales reference and uh, we also got that little Palpatine uh, figure from that Ned had from Homecoming. Yes. <laughs> so... Yes. Callbacks there. Yeah. Definitely a lot of callbacks to, like, lines, too, like, from old Spider-Man ones. Right. Like, especially, like, Tobey Maguire's, like, oh, my God, I do a shot every time Doc Ock said, power of the sun in my hand, man. I felt like he said that so many fucking times. Yeah. Oh, my back. My back. <laughs> yeah. I love the back crack. That was funny. Uh, the fucking, uh, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Yeah. Man. Um, trying to do better, like, cause that was like the first thing he said, like when, when he was meeting with, uh, Doc Ock in his movies, like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he said, you're brilliant, but you're also lazy. He's like, try and do better. Brilliant, so, but lazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then, but then, well, then he's like, how you doing? He's like, trying to be better. It's like, yeah, there you go. there's a little callback to that. There were some really good callbacks. Not the I was hoping they would do the classic Spider-Man meme where they're pointing. They, they kind of like it a yeah. few times, like like in the lab, like that one, that one, like who yeah, want? yeah. Um, JJ, you got anything? I mean, you guys pretty much covered it here. Uh, <laughs> I I do like the subtlety of some of the things, like the the my back, because it, it, it was like that's a less quoted meme than something of a scientist myself is. I was just going to say, I don't really have anything. I'm surprised they didn't do pizza time. Oh my God. <laughs> it would have been kind of cool to get the um, the original Spider-Man theme. Did we get that in here, the cartoon Spider-Man theme? No, that we got it in Homecoming. They did the they did like the lead-up of what happened at the end of Far From Home. Hmm in the in the marvel studios logo um which they also showed the clip of peter from uh end game where he came through the portal and that as well because they replaced some of the clips uh when they moved to the next movie usually in in the marvel studios logo so um also the the scene you pointed this out jj uh the end scene where he's in the new red and blue suit that's a scene from the insomniac uh spider-man game oh yeah 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 um, the uh, at the very end of the movie when he's going on the rooftops after um, like he saw MJ and Ned again, the movements that he's doing are modeled after um, the parkour that you can do in the Insomniac game, which is a really cool minor um, Easter egg. Also, I felt like when he got the the new spider on his suit that felt like a reference to the white spider suit oh yeah that game i'm not sure if it was a direct reference or if it was more just a nod like the pointing spider-man thing that they had in the lab Mm -hmm. yeah you know one little thing since we're talking about suits i do think i hope the last suit we see him in stays his suit yeah like 
I do like how they were showing that Spider-Man has had multiple suits, you know, like in terms of comics, like the Iron Spider, all these different like suits and all that. But the one thing that stood out the most, and I think the one thing that still makes Toby and like Garfield like so iconic is they had one suit and you know that suit. Right. Like we, when you see Andrew Garfield, before he begins really revealed and he's running through the portal, you knew in the back, like those who like, like big time fans that like knew that's Andrew Garfield because I recognize that costume. Mm-hmm. No other Spider-Man had that style. And like, obviously you didn't see Toby's like, you know, like costume at first, but it's like when you see him in fighting, you could pick out which one was Toby. Cause you're like, I recognize that style. And I hope they stick with this one because I love the bright blue because it's very old school Spider-Man. It's classic Spider-Man. The bright blue aesthetic as mm-hmm. opposed to like the darker blues the other one have. Right. I don't mind the dark blue, but I like the bright blue. It's it's classic and I like it. Yeah. Um, I hope that stays as top as Holland's suit. Unless right. like specific where he needs to get like an upgraded suit, like where he has to go back to nanotech or something like that. I just want time to have his own iconic suit and not go through this wide range of different costumes it was cool to highlight it but at the same time it kind of bugged me because it was like i'm like because like maybe it's just also because they're not really necessarily my favorite suits because my favorite spider-man suit is the black suit spider-man right and we're eventually gonna get that so it's nice so i don't know i I just hope they stick with this costume the only costume change he has is either for specific upgrades or when we get this black suit Spider-Man storyline that we're probably going to get at some point. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's get to our rankings. So villains, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to go through the whole villains. I'll probably go through the MCU projects just because that's more interesting. Um, but uh, we'll start with Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. So Josh, Gabe, and I all gave Green Goblin a six. So he is at a perfect six. And we had to break a tie between him and Infinity War Thanos. And we said Green Goblin was better, shockingly enough. Um... So, yeah, I, I just think the reason I gave him a six is this is, one of, again, one of the most iconic comic book movie villains of all time. The performance was so memorable, so great, and the fact that he's just a villain that is just pure chaos, and they didn't need to make him sympathetic or anything, and it just worked. So, I... I I, I'd, fi- I'd be fine if Thanos was above him, but I'm fine with Green Goblin also being number one at this point, so. I don't know if I... It's not that, like, I have any specific things that are wrong with him or anything, mm-hmm. but I just don't feel like he's a perfect six to me. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from the fact that this movie is an ensemble villain cast, mm-hmm. and so even though he's the main villain... He's also, like, he just doesn't have as much time to be developed as other villains have, like Thanos. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's hard to rank him. I guess I'm going to give him a 5.8. Okay. All well. right. Um, in terms of ranking him as a villain, I want to give him a 6. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him a six because on his own, even like I, JJ, I hear you on that. Like the whole, I wish, cause I do wish we got more of him as like, I do like the ensemble as a villain, like the group that they had. Cause it was a good time, but I, it still makes me wish want more green goblin. Um, but in terms of, because you brought up about like tiebreaker between him and Than like, uh, infinity war Thanos. I still got to give the edge to Thanos for the mere fact, even though I love just the true 
chaotic, power-craved villain that Green Goblin is and how much of a menace he is, Mm -hmm. I don't think that I could ever get a movie villain experience that I got at Thanos in terms of this dude literally was like a menace. Like, like they both were menaces, but Thanos won. Mm -hmm. Right. Green Goblin's a menace, but he still didn't get the dub, you know what I mean? But Thanos, like, they, like obviously, you know, like, storylines chooses the victors. But still, like, what happened was Thanos' plotline was stronger than the hero's plotline to the point of, he won. going to win. Yeah. And I cannot ignore that. And that I just, and it's it's the same thing I said before about, like, Hela. Hela, like, was really nice. Thanos won. But Hella like didn't really lose either. Like she kind of like got dealt in by an inevitable force, you know. Like, right by Surtur. Yeah. William Defoe it's like right there with Hella. I would say that's like my personal opinion in terms yeah. of right there. And it's a ranking as a villain on his own. Yeah, William Defoe earns a six on that, just like <laughs> Thanos did. And I gave Hella a six too. I remember that. Yeah. In terms of like ranking them, like in the tiebreaks on my personal, I got Thanos one. I'll go. Uh, I'll go hella too, but William Defoe's three, and that's a top three. I I can't even say like it's a bad thing to be three. It's just the way I view villains, and like the way I see them as like different levels of being a menace and a threat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I personally, I don't know how you top Thanos, who was just he yeah walked in, he conquered, and he did what he needed to do. Right, I get that. Um, yeah. Well, lucky for you, so with that, uh, with JJ's 5.8 and all of our 6s, Green Goblin moves down to a 5.96. He is below Infinity War Thanos, who is still at a 6 now, and Hela, who is at a 5.97, so he is number 3. Wow. So. There you go, Will. I put him at number 3 for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, JJ, take the bullet for me. I appreciate you, buddy. JJ, you got a problem with that list? So out of curiosity, like, just, like, how that ranks out? I don't know if, like... No, that's really fair to me. Um... You know, it's really hard to compare Green Goblin and Hela because Hela is just so intimidating and just straight up evil mm-hmm. and like an awesome presence on the screen. But she's got no depth. Right. And um, Green Goblin is such an interesting character because he's a split personality and his two um, personas are wildly different. Not only that, he did have two movies though to get that development. Like you know, what I mean, even he with the did. lack, well, at least even with the lack of time he had in this. Movie, let's be honest. Most of the people who went to see this and recognized Ring Goblin knew him from the old old Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Like, and if he hadn't had that first movie, we wouldn't be ranking him this high. If this was his only movie, the amount that we got from him in this movie, he wouldn't rank this high. Hundred oh, percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. Right. I can but agree we with love that. Love him, so that's why he's still like places high because we already knew that, like a lot of what we needed to know right yeah I, I i think this is very fair i'm fine with this being the top three right now where did you have uh what, what about you baruki and your personal list did you I, have him above thanos i don't know so like when see like if i had to create my own list because like when i did the villain rankings just by myself i obviously that was before no way home came out um right. And if I was going to say it, I'd agree with you guys that Thanos is above him because we got that, like, the plot revolved around Thanos specifically in Infinity War. Yeah. Um, so I do agree with that. I'd have Green Goblin above Hela slightly, but I. Okay. I. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's why I asked because, like, 
I think all, the one thing that especially that we, I took away from all doing all this, whenever we do like this master list, each one of us have our own little views on what makes a good villain. It's not even just like in their own like movies, right? But in comparisons, because like I know JJ and I disagree. Because JJ, like, correct me if I'm wrong. You like having some depth to like villains, whereas I don't mind having just that. Or like, you're not the biggest fan of like those pure monster villains, but I don't mind them as much because I enjoy just sometimes that monstrous threat. <laughs> and like, that's affected our ranks on villains. Where it's like you think because you had Abomination low, right? Because I know that was like the classic monster type. Don't. Yeah, I had Abomination Low, I think, for other reasons, too. It's just, sometimes a one-note villain works for me, sometimes they don't. And Abomination mm-hmm. and Hela are great examples of that. Hela, I love, um, just, she just is. Mm-hmm. And then Abomination, I feel like, I I don't know, I just don't, I don't like him as much. Part of it is the design in the CGI a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a harsh thing to dock a villain for but the other part of it is like just some of his things that he did weren't like sensible to me but i don't know we don't have to get back into abomination no but yeah the only thing i was bringing up is just like because like we're on topic of villains in these rankings it's just like because it's it raises it shows like how different we all view it and where our different ranks are because like Baruki like has like i know you got villains that jj and i didn't like weren't really big fans of what you absolutely loved for your, whatever reason, you know, like, cause you had Vulture really high. Yeah. Right? I also had Mysterio I pretty Vulture high. Was, yeah. You had Mysterio and Vulture pretty high. Whereas me is like, like me personally, I thought they were okay, you know, for mm-hmm. what they were. Right. And, and then again, like, I also like, I'm also a little bit more tolerant when no, one no villains, if like the role they needed to fill was fine. Right. Or like, if it's like, if their, their, their role was to be a menace, like a one, no villain was like this monstrous beast they fit that role well and like that's usually how i grade villains like how well they fit it and then when you get whenever you get to like comparing villains to each other it does get tricky because on the one hand because it's not like it's like who's more stronger than the other you know what i mean because obviously we're being honest here yeah like green goblin he's a powerhouse like he's nice and all but he there's a lot he, he ain't like Tougher than like it ain't like he's out benching abomination, you know. <laughs> Hella's obviously Hella could like obviously be over Thanos, you know. Mm-hmm. That would be a whole interesting thing to do though, because like no, he's not stronger than Abomination, but he's smarter. He is. He's more tactical, but it's mm-hmm. like at the same time though, it's like can, how much can you get around like Abomination just having a freakish like regeneration, you know, and his pure just. That monstrous attitude of just, it doesn't matter what you throw at him, he's going to brute force his way through it, you know what I mean? Because it's not like he's going to dodge the bombs, you know what I mean? Right. So, like, whenever you do those, like, verses, it gets things. So, like, when you we talk about the ranking of, that's why I always find it interesting. It's like, what separates the difference in these villains on this master list when we, like, actually, like, what do those numbers really mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think that's something that's kind of interesting about it. Because we're not, like I said, we're not saying, like, Green Goblin's, like, because, like, I mean, like, let's take a uh, situation of, like, comparing Killmonger and Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. It's not like Green Goblin's, like, not, like, like he's psychotic, but he's still smart. Mm-hmm. He's very tactical. But, like, how would he go up against somebody with probably, arguably, better technology? Mm-hmm. And, like, you go full-suited, like, Killmonger. 
And Killmonger is very successful at killing. Like he is, a, and he's tactical. And if you gave him the Black Panther serum, you know, what I mean, it's like, how do those two match up? You know, what I mean, I think that's like a that might be a closer bout than you know you may realize. I think Greg Gauntlet outstrains him, but still, like, the tacticalness and the fighting skills is there. You know, right? And we saw even a little bit more of that in the What If episode. So, with Killmonger. Well, yeah, that, that's what I always like about, like, when we do these villain rankings, and, like, it's just, it's interesting how our different mindsets kind of feed into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's let's finish up. We'll do uh, Doc Ock and Electro. So, Doc Ock, uh, Josh and Gabe gave him a 6. Um, I gave him a 5.7. I think, obviously, Doc Ock in this movie turned good, um, so I can't really give him a 6, um, but I, I really enjoyed Alfred Medellina being back, obviously, um, and he's, again, iconic. And again, it's built off of what happened in Spider-Man 2, obviously. If this was just off of No Way Home, I agree with you guys that Doc Ock would probably go a bit lower. But again, this is an iconic character. So I, I think a 5.7 is justified. I think a 6 might be too high from Josh and Gabe, but I, I feel like you guys will probably balance it out a little bit more too. So I'm going to go 5.6. Um, I think that some of the references that they made with this character in particular were a little poorly done. Like, mm-hmm. he mentions the power of the sun in the palm of my hand, I think, more than once. Twice, and I think. T- twice. And both times I felt like it wasn't great context for him to say that. Um, also, like, some of the things were a little, uh, just a little off. Like, the nanotech. Just, okay, that's a thing now. How is he controlling it? Yeah. Um, also, you and I, and uh, maybe watching it a second time would help me better, but you and I were both kind of confused as to his motivations after our first watch through in the end. That's like true. he was trying to steal the cube from the others. We were, um, yeah. So, yeah, but still great villain. Yeah. Will? Um, I'm going to give him like a three. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, shit. He was a great character, but, like, other than the bridge scene and then him, like, just being, like, annoyed and a pest, like, like because he was, like, like held captive. I mean, a lot of people would be. They were all kind of complaining at the end of the day. He had one fight with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then he had that, like, little trickery where he tricked Electro into, like, you know, de- depowering him. And then he was cool. Like, he wasn't the villain. Mm-hmm. You didn't even fight in, like, the final fight. I can't call him a villain. Right. He started off like it, yeah, but, like, he was quickly redeemed, and he stayed redeemed. It wasn't like he was, like, Electro, where he's, like, just just about it, or it's, like, it's not like the chip broke again, and all of a sudden he's in the final fight. I don't consider him a villain. Right. And this, because he got redeemed. He was this the first successful one to get redeemed. Yeah. And because even in Spider-Man 2, they showed, it's all about, like, that the, the AI took over on him. Because at the end of Spider-Man 2, when he got the willpower over it, he saved the day. Like, he's not a bad dude by nature. It's just he was literally brainwashed by the AI. So, character, yeah, he's a great character. I loved him like as a character. It was cool to see him back again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him a three as a villain because he didn't. He was not a villain. He did not fill that role. What He was just like, if anything, that first fight he had was like, yeah, it, like, move the plot along to show that all oh, villains from like or old villains are coming from different universes 
But it felt like that fight was just a giant Easter egg at the end of the deal. Right. If anything, just to build up the Green Goblin showing up. Right, right. And he was also like the big info guy in terms of, hey, that's Norman Osborn, or it can't be Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn died. Like, that was all his role. So, yeah, I'm giving him a three as a villain. Yeah. All right. Um, so with that, it'll go. It wasn't a five point nine because of Gabe and Josh. It is not. Uh, Doc Ock is now at a five point two six. Um, uh, without spoilers, because we also ranked the villain in Hawkeye. Um, but without that, um, I believe five point two six puts him in between U.S. Agent John Walker and Ego. So in between the Russells. He's still way too high. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean... My personal, opinion, my personal opinion, but hey, you know, the average is, again, like I was saying, criteria is different. Yeah, I, I, I think it is, ba- again, based on Spider-Man 2 a little bit, too. So, um... Well, an interesting question I would ask Gabe and John, Ash, is did they rank him as a character or as the villain? Right, right. I think that'd be interesting to talk about. Um... All right, Jamie Foxx is Electro. I gave him a five. Josh gave him a five. Gabe gave him a four. I think that he was really interesting and definitely offered some moral questions, and I just thought Jamie Foxx at least redeemed himself. Um, so currently he's at a 4.67, but we'll see where you guys what you guys give Electro. Um, I would rate him higher than I'm going to if this were the only movie he was in. Yeah, because he was a continuation of another character, and there was such a disconnect between the two characters. I'm gonna put him at a four point nine. Uh, I really liked him. Uh, I liked his the way he interacted with the other villains in this movie. Mm-hmm. But like that disconnect just throws me. Um, so as a whole, since that's how we're ranking all of them, I gotta put him lower. That makes sense. Uh, Will. Uh, I'm going to rank him in this movie. We're going to do... I'm going back and forth right now because I had two options because I was thinking about it. I don't think he's as low as a four. I don't think he's a four. But I'm trying to think like if I really want to put him at a five, though. You know what? Uh, I'm going to give him... I'm going to go a five. I will say a five. Because at least he... When he did the back and forth and he... Did fit the villain. He fit the villain role more than Doc Ock did in this movie. Mm-hmm. I ain't comparing him to Doc Ock in Spider-Man Two. Doc Ock Spider-Man Two is one of the best villains that we've seen in Spider-Man. Right on the, on the screen. Mm-hmm. But that's not that Doc. That's not this Doc Ock. Like let's let's get that right away. He was not in the same role as that. Mm-hmm. And this electrical, I will think, was an improvement from his amazing Spider-Man Two debut. Um, I'm going to give him a five though. JJ, I got no issue with the way you critiqued it. Like in terms of like how you felt it was weird. I got, that's how you viewed it. That I don't see a problem for that. Cause I was right there with you. I was just like, I don't know how high I wanted him to go, but I, I think I'm pretty comfortable keeping him out of five. Cause he was at least a good po- raw powerhouse villain to have on that enemy team. Yeah. All right. That gives him a 4.78. Electro is now in between, he's above Red Skull and below Alexander Pierce from The Winter Soldier. Huge improvement from where he was in our Spider-Man rankings. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'd have to look back on my other notebook to see where we ranked them when we covered the previous Spider-Man movies. Um, but uh, I'm not going to do that at the moment. All right, uh, so let's. Uh, so I'm going to read off the MCU project rankings as they stand 
right now, and this is based on also what we gave Spider-Man with Josh Gabe and I and Hawkeye. Um, and we'll see how Spider if Spider-Man changes. Uh, right now, number one now is Spider-Man No Way Home with a perfect six because Jake, uh, Josh Gabe and I all gave it sixes. Um, number two, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings that Will and I uh, gave pretty high scores, uh, 5.95. Uh, number three, Avengers Endgame, 5.94. Number Sorry to interrupt you, Jake. Did we actually rank the movie? Uh, we have not ranked No Way Home yet. I was saying Josh, Gabe, and I ranked it. Oh, you're saying it before we rank it. Okay, my apologies. No worries. I was just saying where it was standing right now. Um... Yeah, so number three, Endgame, 5.94. Number four, Black Panther at a 5.93. Number five, Hawkeye at a 5.89. Josh and I just ranked it because Gabe hadn't seen it yet, so Gabe was in more in the background. Um, uh, Number number six, Infinity War, 5.86. Number seven, Loki. I know Will's going to disagree with that, (laughs) 5.83. Num- number uh, uh, next, Captain America the Winter Soldier at 5.66. I believe that was what, uh, number uh, number eight, uh, number seven or eight. Uh, then we got Spider-Man Far From Home at a 5.55. Avengers at a 5.53. WandaVision at a 5.5. Uh, Thor Ragnarok at a 5.4. Civil War 5.38. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 5.37. Captain America, the First Avenger, 5.23. Avengers Age of Ultron at a 5.07. Iron Man at 4.87. Doctor Strange, 4.85. Spider-Man Homecoming at 4.7. Guardians of the Galaxy, 4.69. Ant-Man and the Wasp, 4.68. Black Widow at 4.51. Guardians 2 at 4.5. Uh, Eternals at 4.25, Iron Man 3 at 4.08, Ant-Man at 3.97, Thor at 3.83, Captain Marvel at 3.7, Incredible Hulk at 3.6, What If at 3.57, Iron Man 2 at 3.17, and Thor The Dark World in last place at 2.97. What a fucking list. Yep, that's 32. So... With the perfect six standing with No Way Home, either you guys are going to send it uh, lower or <laughs> we're going to keep it at the number one spot. So um, I just thought this movie was incredible, an incredible experience. Seeing it the first time with JJ and Gabe and seeing it again with my dad was still fun. Um, just exceeded my expectations. And I know there's definitely flaws you can nitpick, but it was just an enjoyable an enjoyable movie, and I really think this deserves to be over Shang-Chi. I think it's better than Endgame. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I that's my case for it, get, uh, giving it a perfect six. Could you give me the top three again? Uh, right now it is No Way Home at six, Shang-Chi at 5.95, and Endgame at 5.94. Okay, I don't think Shang-Chi should be that high. Um, and I also don't think that No Way Home should be above Endgame. But I, it's more important to me that it's above Shang-Chi than that it's not above Endgame. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a 5.96. Okay. So 5.96. All right. Anything else you want to say on it? or? No, I just... Uh, well, yeah, I guess. Um, 
it did a very good job at all of the things it did, or all of the things they wanted to do and bringing in all these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I Just a lot of little things, a lot of little things add up to make it not a perfect movie for me, but it's damn close. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's see where you're gonna, wh- wh- what you're gonna do with this. <sighs> okay, so it's tough because I left the movie theater and I said because at first I asked the question. My brother I was like, "Like, is this one of the best Marvel movies that Marvel's done?" I asked that, and we were kind of going back and forth. Like, I threw that question out because I was like. I thought about it, I'm like, is it? Because I really did enjoy it, but I was like, I was in the hype of nostalgia. After seeing it the second time, I think I got more... I don't think it's... It's personally... It's up there as one of my favorites, but Winter Soldier still will go down as my favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I know I gave that a six. I'm going to give this one... I don't know what I gave... I don't remember what I gave Shang-Chi. You gave it a six. I, give, I did give Shang-Chi a 6. Yeah, and I gave it a 5.9. I'm going to give Spider-Man No Way Home 5.87. No, 5.7. I corrected myself. Okay. Sorry. We're not going to go get crazy with different decimals, even though I'm not going to pull a JJ and be like, I got to strategically place this so we can average it out. You bastard. Okay, listen. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. I could... I could do the strategy of wait till the end, and then I want it to be my rating specifically, so I'm going to rate it this low so that the average becomes my rating. But I don't do that shit. Listen, I didn't do it with the villains. I just, I'm always going third here, and it just happened to fall the way I wanted to with the villains, so I'm not, I'm not saying I'm boosting it. I understand what you're doing here, but listen, I'll go back and forth with you on this one. I'm kind of curious. After seeing it the second time, so the, the things that I had against this movie that I kind of noticed was there was like a lot of moments where if in a lot of ways it did feel like Endgame 2 in the sense of it was definitely fan service heavy, mm-hmm. especially with a lot of lines that they were using. It was still a good movie, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think you could have had a full... I don't think it would have had the same emotional... I personally don't believe it would have had the full emotional impact if you did not know about the other Spider-Man. Which would be kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, especially since most of the people who've probably seen it grew up with either Toby, Maguire, well, they grew up with Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So we know of them and we've seen their movies, so we know it. But I'm thinking, like, if you were, like, say you were just new to the superhero genre and you're like, you know what, I, I'm seeing Tom Holland stuff. Like, I, I got into Tom Holland Spider-Man. I'm gonna go see this one. You see these old guys, you're like, oh, they, obviously they're different. Spider-Man, okay, I knew of them, but i never seen the movies. The impact, like, you wouldn't, I don't think you've been able to pick up a lot of stuff, and that's, like, the risk with fan service stuff. It's, like, if you're not a fan of it or you're not familiar with it, it doesn't have the same thing. Like, I don't think a lot of the casual people who may not have been as deep into the top Andrew Garfield movies would have realized the significance of him just catching MJ. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that had a big emotional impact, but that was a lot of fan service. Like, that's why we get... Like, a lot of fans liked it because we're like, oh, that's his redemption in a sense. Because mm-hmm. he saved her. Unlike when, you know, he was able to get over it. There was also other gripes I had with the movie. Like, I think, again, doing a little bit too much. It was nice seeing old throwbacks, but, again, it was just... 
just one of the downsides things get a local card i'd much rather i'd much rather have it if like if they individually found a way to send individual people back and green goblin would be the last one and then that'd be the focal villain right you know especially with the mere fact that the second powerhouse villain that they had on the screen was not a villain the whole damn time like it would have been like think about it like doc ock was is recognized as like the only thing that could rival william defoe mm-hmm. you know green goblin right he was not a villain the whole time so literally you stripped him from that mm-hmm. so like <sighs> some gripes there like jay just said these little things add up and they keep it from being a perfect movie, or at least being a a six movie in my eyes. That's fair. Um, it is with that. It is at a five point nine three. We need to break another tie. It is tied with Black Panther right now. So under Shang Chi, right? Yeah, it is under Shang Chi. Shang Chi is still at number one. <laughs> Shang Chi's at number one. Yeah, which it's, I strongly it's, disagree with. Um, oh, that's. But, I have it know, at number four in my personal. In my it, what, what were you saying, JJ? Spider-Man No Way Home is better than Black Panther. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Okay. I, I don't think there's much of a debate. I didn't realize... I didn't realize... Oh, man, I forgot Shang-Chi was at two. I thought for some reason it was lower. I'm thinking... In, oh, you know what it was? I was thinking in my list, like, in right. my head, because I have Winter Soldier 1. Yeah. I, I have Shang-Chi on, at four in my personal rankings underneath... Well, five now, because No Way Home is now number one. But, um... Yeah, so right now, No Way Home took Black Panther's spot as the number three, and Black Panther moves to number four. So I mean, hey, top five still ain't bad, though. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. You lose the sleep with that shit. JJ, what you have against Sean Chi? I wasn't. I don't remember much like what we talked about about that. That's because I didn't talk about it. I saw it. I just didn't think it lived up to the hype, and like, I, I don't know. We it was gonna be a martial arts focused movie and then it got into all this magic crap at the end and i didn't really like the main villain all that much you didn't like one will what no i i thought it's just a bad dad that's his whole thing tony leon is amazing that's like one of the most famous asian actors like oh uh, don't oh, don't, oh damn jay baruki's bringing in race i'm JJ, not no i'm only saying i'm saying one of the most famous I'm not saying because of race. I'm I knew saying like, but it's just, uh, I was more so pointed at JJ. Yeah, like you're like one of the most successful Asian actors. You got a problem with that, JJ? <laughs> I'm not rating an actor. I'm rating the character. I didn't like the character. Yeah, I don't know, but mm. I don't know. I really just think that that Tony Leon as as Wen Wu. I mean, I think he really carried that, helped carry that character, and uh, like I just I don't know. I really I think they had it. he was a complex character. So, complex villain, but I don't know. <laughs> That's, yeah, well, there's a point where we disagree. That's fun. Um, <laughs> I forgot he wasn't on that podcast. That's why I had no memory of all this. That's why I was very surprised with this, because he wasn't on that podcast. Yeah. That's because I watched it in theaters after it released on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. It was, just, it was just you and me, Will, on Shang-Chi, because I guess right. Josh and Gabe were busy at that point. So, yeah. Right. Oh my god, JJ would have been a riot to go back and forth with. I would oh. love that. That would have been a classic Will versus JJ moment that we have on these podcasts where him and I bicker about things that probably don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but like <laughs> JJ and I would have gone back and forth on it. JJ would have been like, I feel this, and I'm like, well, I disagree, and then I'll say something, and then JJ would be like, actually. And then I he would. 
and then you guys would have been saying screw each other and I would have just been laughing the entire time like I don't know. You just like JJ to like screw off or fuck off or something. <laughs> and it's, oh, again, for like minor shit. Like, yeah. Stuff that's not, like, it's stuff that I really don't really disagree with like of him or like I have like I I fully disagree with. It's just more so of, like, oh, well, I liked it. So fuck off, JJ. <laughs> yeah. Some of us did. Well, I just didn't like it. So fuck well, off. <laughs> 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 all right well um that is it for no way home and we are done with 2021 so what is coming up at least josh and gabe have agreed next week we are going to be cover- starting covering uh the book of boba fett uh as the start to next year um the first episode came out today uh but it just makes sense for us to take a bit take the weekend off at this point um uh, and wait till next week. Also, I will announce this, uh, after the fact, but JJ, I think it's time we announce, uh, what we are doing a rewatch of next year for, uh, like a couple months. Uh, so, uh, and I believe Kearney might be joining us, uh, based on when I talked to him today. Uh, we are going to be rewatching the show Shaolin Showdown, uh, next year uh or for a couple months starting next week uh we're gonna be covering four episodes a week and uh just kind of talking about the episodes and the characters and i guess uh, as we cover each season uh once we get through like the first season we might rank the villain of the first season and kind of go along i mean it's gonna be fun just to uh <laughs> talk about the uh how fantastic of an idiot villain jack spicer is but Um, but, yeah, uh, that's gonna be fun to do, and we'll, I guess, maybe we can figure out something as well. I mean, I'm gonna, along with my, uh, writing job now and the podcast, I, (laughs) next year is gonna be very, very busy. Uh, I just love that. JJ and I are doing this grand project, restart it, well, we'll find something to do with you. Yeah, well, I mean, just let let me know, because, I mean, we won't. I mean, the next Marvel thing, we don't have a Marvel thing until Sony has Morbius at the end of next month, so... Oh, yeah. It's your fault for going all Coast Guard on us. <laughs> oh, yes. No, God forbid. Yeah, you do that for a career or some or a possible career. Who knows? God yeah. damn me. <laughs> I mean, well, we'll figure something out. I'll talk to you. I'm going to be leaving again in mid-January, so... And that won't be back for a bit, so... See, know, maybe five point exactly. Yeah, wow. All right, well... JJ. We'll we'll figure it out if if we if we don't have anything we can talk about since you're leaving then we'll just wait uh, to get back into it with you uh, when you get back. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll be in touch with you. Okay, okay. well let's let's end the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for this year of supporting us uh, with Will and JJ and Gabe and Josh. I mean, you guys have been like the main people on this podcast most of the time. Um, so it's been awesome to get to talk to you guys on this podcast and starting it. So, <laughs> um, but uh, we will see you guys. We will see you guys, the audience, uh, next week uh, for 2022 on Tribe of Nerds. Beats time. <laughs>